Why does it just lie there? It's depressed. This beast can feel such things? Rancor are emotionally complex creatures. Why does it wear blinders? This one is a calf. It was bred from champions for fighting. I saved this one for myself to train. It imprints on the first human it sees. Now that we arrived, I will begin its training. Can I? Yes, go ahead. They're quite peaceful and less threatened. likes this. does. I will spend more time with it. You should. They can become very loving. I thought they were bred just to fight. They're powerful fighters, so that is what most know. But they form strong bonds with their owners. It is said that the witches of Dathomir even rode them through the forest and fens. I want to learn to ride this one. You what? I want to ride it. I've ridden beasts ten times its size. Teach me. It will take a tremendous amount of discipline. We begin today. Here you go. What are we gonna call you? Uh, yes. A long time ago in theaters far, far away, Four nerds got swept up by one of the greatest pop culture waves in cinema history. Now, as adults with a lifetime of fandom under their belts, they get together and discuss the mythology, characters, and business of creating Star Wars. Turn up your headphones, dial back your sensibilities, and join the wretched hive of scum and villainy as we take the low road to resistance. This is episode three of season three of Force Insensitive, a Star Wars podcast. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the Book of Boba Fett, chapter three, The Streets of Mos Espa. There is a lot to talk about, including uh, more uh, facts about Rancor breeding. Uh, that's a, a very popular subject on this show. Uh, so you know what? We should get set up for our attack run so we can get right into that. This is Black and Blue Leader standing by. Millennial Falcon standing by. Most sexually bestialic intro I've ever heard standing by. How am I going to afford all these fucking action figures standing by? <laughs> Fuck, right? That should have been my name. Fucking, fucking robot face kids and fucking are you gonna do you want a danny trio <laughs> fucking rank dude i was about to trio. say there's that is the number one black series want on my list it has moved everything to the bottom number one is danny fucking trejo is in <laughs> star wars my fucking cock was so big this what? morning because of it was danny a machete <laughs> it was a machete danny trio <laughs> machete don't come machete came like five times um, I, uh, I want those fucking 
cyborg kids, the like the fucking anime Akira looking things on their bikes. <laughs> the, spa- want- the space Vespa gang. Yeah, I want fucking <laughs> the Power all Rangers. Them. Yeah, the yeah I want them. Rangers. The Power Rangers. <laughs> the lack of Power Rangers. You don't make fun of them. Oh, I'm. You, let's wait till we get I there, fucking, son. I want a fucking naked Boba Fett. I want all these things immediately. Tuscan Raiders. I can give you that right now. Wait, do you want some crispy uh, Tuscan Raiders? Well, well, uh-uh. well done. Uh-uh. Only the children. <laughs> all right, so we have a lot to talk about, obviously, because the new episode dropped today. And uh, there is much to discuss, so uh, we should get you into it. just discussed it. more than half of it just now. I know. All right, I guess we're done. We're already halfway done. Good show, go. guys. <laughs> Bye. So, as always, uh, as of right now, we actually don't have any voice messages. So people, uh, apparently people don't want to talk about this episode. But uh, in the future, if you guys do want to let your feelings be known for each episode as, as they drop for uh, this show and any other show, um, you know, this year, next year, however long this podcast goes, uh, feel free to send us a voice message or an email to forceinsensitive at gmail.com. I'll be more than happy to play it on the air. And also one other thing I wanted to call out is apparently Spotify now has a five-star rating system just added. And uh, I know we do have some a uh, pretty good amount of listeners on Spotify. So if you guys do listen and you want to go ahead and do us a solid, give us a five-star review and uh, I'll let, let people know what you dig about it and uh, it'll help cut through all the static. There's so many right. s- Star Wars shows out there. And uh, the cool if, thing... If you would have caught me five minutes ago, I dropped you a solid. What's <laughs> uh Are you sure? That's, according to what you said in chat, you had chili, so I'm guessing that's not mm-hmm. accurate. The tail end. It was weird. It was like it was <laughs> yeah, like, like it, it was like it was like an Uzi for like five minutes, and it turned into a potato gun for the last shot. I think you yeah, yeah. instead of eating chili, I think you ate a Chilean. Did you eat a fucking mm-hmm. human from Chile? Uh, that's pronounced Chile, but uh, yes, I did. <laughs> um, Chennai. <laughs> Chile. It was a guy from Chile. He uh, was in my eyes. Yes, Marth. Uh, let's call this campaign we're working on, right? To get more five stars on Spotify. Yeah. Spotify. Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Like spot dash a dash five. I think I think that's what his MRI said. And it stuck in his head. <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> My MRI actually said no cancer so far, or inconclusive. Inconclusive. I'll, t- I'll take a, I'll take a whim where I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> So and your brain scan came up empty. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you guys do listen to us on Spotify, uh, go ahead and give us a five star review there. It um, the one thing I do like about the way Spotify does it is you can't just apparently you can't just leave a five star review to a show you've never listened to. You have to actually listen to the show a little bit. So um, no, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing is someone can't be like this podcast sucks. I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm just going to. Is there? Is there a duration in which they have to listen it? Do they just have to hit play for two seconds and click it off and it counts? No. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the number is, but it says listen to a, listen to a couple episodes first before you can... Oh, a couple episodes. Okay. Or a little of, I don't know, like something like that. So you can't just pop on, listen to a minute, and then rate it. I think you have to listen to um, probably like a percentage of a couple episodes or something like that. So 
Well, I hope somebody just goes and grabs random episodes and realizes, hey, I've, I've, I've listened to three parts of three different episodes from three different time periods, and they were still talking about buttholes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fear for our listeners, uh, new listeners who may go back and hear all that. Uh, but I, what I will say, we do, we do have a lot of new listeners uh, probably tuning in because of Book of Boba Fett. And um, we've been doing the show, this is our third season, so it's basically, we started it when Mandalorian Season 1 started. So that would be uh, 2019, was it? End of Well, if you're new. Yeah. If you're new. Yeah, about 10 years cool. ago. Yeah, seems that yeah, way. feels like. Uh, if you're new, the disclaimer goes, uh, if you play this in front of your children, you will get the police called on you, and uh, if you don't have the right mind to turn it off, you are our people. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably have uh, social services calling you and trying to schedule taking your kids away. No, no, I don't. I don't know. Trying to find time in the, in the in the trying to find time in the in the in the home in the home entertainment rec room there to listen to us on the Wi-Fi. <laughs> So, yeah, just don't listen to us in front of the kids. That's all. <laughs> but hopefully you guys dig it. And uh, we've so far, we've talked about all of the new Disney Plus shows that have launched. So uh, mm-hmm. that is the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. We did The Bad Batch. Now we're doing Book of Boba Fett. And in between those, we went and uh, redid some, some of the animated series. So we did The Clone Wars. We did all seven seasons. We did uh, Star Wars Rebels all four seasons of that. And then we even got into some other stuff. We did uh Jendi Tartakovsky's Clone Wars and we even did Visions. Visions, yeah, we even did one special um where we did a live watch along where we watched Turkish Star Wars and uh Which is know. still our greatest episode. <laughs> so you guys can check that out. It's 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 out there somewhere, I believe still. And um yeah, and then we also did a Matrix special uh, for Matrix Resurrections when that dropped, and that is on the podcast feed if that's something that interests you. But uh, there you go. Just wanted to give folks a, kind of a little rundown if they're, if they're new to the show, and we, as of now, have no plans to stop, but, you know, that could change on a weekly basis if, you know, someone says something gets kicked off of all the podcast networks. Who knows? The internet. Yeah, get kicked off the internet. I wouldn't put it past us. The earth. The earth, If yeah. me and Mars... If me and Mars can make a go of any of our other projects, then you know, you we can also um, check those out like Gate Ape. Oh boy. We also, uh, <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, we also, um, <laughs> forget what we're going to say sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, it's pox wander around no eyes. I got scared. Um, we also talked about uh, the appropriate and inappropriate amount of yogurt that you should eat. Which is a yo play um, calamity. Mm-hmm. Gungan porn. And, uh, with Peppy Bo. If you are new, please send us a voicemail and tell us which alien species you'd like to randy. Nope, nope, don't do that. If you're new, and, um, uh, I'm going to play this for you. There you go. <laughs> and uh, we also, collectively, uh, I don't want to take the credit broke down the internet blight which is uh deep fake buttholes yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah there you go on an actual on an actual note though you also said that we might be putting some episodes up on youtube whoa, and stuff. whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Maybe, maybe i actually well, was just about to bring that up so i uh, appreciate um yeah we're trying to 
th- think of other ways. Why'd to... you whoa 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 me if you were about to bring it up? What the you know what the fuck, man? Seriously, and also in this show, I get a, I get very little respect for doing kindnesses, well, whereas Mars constantly gets egged on to talk nasty. Y- you are the Rodney Dangerfield of the podcast, so. Hey, hey, don't tell anybody you're Jewish. He's the Rodney Dangerfield the of the f- podcast. <laughs> are you? Are you going to fight him for the uh, for the title? I don't I don't need to fight him. I just say something and then he talks for 25 minutes until he gets he disagrees with me until he doesn't agree with he agrees with me at the end. Who's agreeing with him? Even I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> I don't First of all, who's the one that comes in and talks for fucking 25 minutes plus? Alberto, yeah. would you like to answer that? About their butthole. About anything. I've never talked about my butthole, I don't think. <laughs> well, no, see, your, your butthole has, has made an appearance on the show more than we'd like. It's too high to realize, Rocky. I start to say something, and then you talk... To either con- you contradict me every four words. No, and like my you have really thing. got you're really confused about how that goes down. One hundred percent. You talk week, in I circles, remember. and then it fucking comes back around to where you fucking conflated yourself, and it's like, no. what the fuck, right wow, now? Wow, I feel like you're you're you've you've switched our roles. It took me. <laughs> I, I literally timed it. It took me seven minutes to get from the words. There is a ritual in Kenya from when I said there is to Kenya. Huh? That's on you. Exactly. (laughs) No, it's not on you. As soon as I said it, it was like, there's rituals everywhere. No, there's not. You, as soon as you said that it was from Kenya, I just pointed out that there was fucking tribal shit from everywhere. So, yeah, they pulled a little bit from here or there. So, once again... You don't see shit as it actually happens, but that's okay. You're Mars. Mm-hmm. We let you live in Mars land, and it's cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. On with your best well, and as a second thing, just because I'm high like doesn't mean I'm Chris stupid. Jericho on the wrestling show. You're just hollering things. Okay, except yeah, he, that's except me. He's, except he's <laughs> except he's more like stoned Rocky. Right. I think who, Chris Jericho is actually more like stoned Rocky. Who is who is? Who is the one motherfucker who will be gone the entire episode and we're wrapping up and under time where we're like all happy, holy shit, this episode's gonna be done fucking under time and shit like that. Then he, so who who comes in in the last five minutes and takes it an extra hour? Who does that? The mama. Mm. <laughs> what did Alberto say? Hey, that ain't funny. My mama ain't got no lips. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> All I have to say about your delusion, Rocky, is that the one Star Wars special that I wasn't here for went nine hours. Seven. Yeah. Seven. Nine hours that show went. We were that having so much me. fun talking actual Star Wars, and that's what mm-hmm. happens. Instead of buttholes and puddings <laughs> and farts. <laughs> and putting buttholes to the fart. We'll see. Farting we'll see what happens. and pudding. That sounds like a good title. I see. Oh. <laughs> Here, <laughs> for what exactly? A good title for what? Uh, for your biography. For my biography. <clears throat> see, and, and Johnny gets us confused a lot because whenever I have, uh, you know, intestinal distress, he's like, "Oh, it's that again." I'm like, "Dude, it happens to me like once every six months." Whereas every night Mars, it hits him on air. And he's like literally fucking his anus is gasping for breath through like fucking 
the episode. I can literally I, hear Alberto shaking his head right now. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I feel like and Rocky and he's talks muted, about yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Rocky talks about me shitting every episode more than I actually talk. <laughs> what? This is the worst. Oh my god! Wow! Well, yeah, let's, so, so new all listeners, those new listeners yeah. we had when we started, they're it gone. Was nice, they're it was out. nice having you for a little while. Yeah. I listened to him talk about me crapping for twenty minutes on a show I wasn't even on. You 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 just conflate everything. I like whenever Mars says something, reduce it by is, about seventy five percent. Is this the, closer to is this the airing of the grievances? <laughs> <laughs> the grievances and buttons. No, I'm just saying. General Kenobi. Except Mars would say hello there and farts. Hello there. That's All right. quite a flat noise. We we got to talk about some fucking Book of Boba Fett. All right, enough about <laughs> about anything else. Yeah, enough about <laughs> shit and farts and yogurt and who said what and who did what and how long it takes for people to do things. Hey, he attacked me, man. I'm just defending myself. Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> You'd probably eat that, Wolfie. I would. Yeah, I'd be vegan, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so. Yeah, five stars. That's what we're trying to get at. If you guys want to go ahead and leave that, uh, <laughs> that's that's your time back in. Oh, think, give us five I think stars. So I don't know. Yeah, after all that, yeah, one, yeah, that's one, a good way. <laughs> one for each butthole. Mars has two. <laughs> all I right. wish. And both speak. <laughs> I all wish. Right, let's talk about chapter three: the streets of Mos Espa, and. Um, so this episode was directed by Robert Rodriguez and once again written by John Favreau. And it just dropped uh, the day we're recording this, January 12th, 2022. And uh, this one features, uh, you know, the most of the same old cast, but we get some new additions. Obviously, Tamora Morrison as Boba, uh, Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, Matt Berry, the fucking awesome Matt Berry as 88. And in addition, we get some new characters. Yes. And the first one got me so good this morning too. I got to say, the first, the first one. It took me a minute. I had to blink. You, I was like, he's lost a lot of weight, and the beard hit him for a second. But as soon as he started talking, I was like, get the fuck out of here, man! So, did anyone recognize the the actor who played Lortha Peel, the one who came in to talk to Boba in his chamber? Yeah, that's what I was just talking about. No, I know, I know it was. But did anyone else recognize him? As, like while they were watching? No. no. So that is a uh, great character actor, Stephen Root. Stephen Root. Who played, oh, yeah, 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 that guy. Kicking yeah. Root down. So it's a stapler. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who played uh, Mil- Milton from Office Space. And then yep. Talk Radio, right? He played yep. the station owner. He was the station well, manager. He was, in, uh, he was in No Country for Old Men, too, right? He's been in a lot of shit. He also did. Awesome. He was in uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. He's my favorite. He was the blind radio station um, programmer in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which is arguably one of my favorite roles he's ever done. That movie's incredible all the way up and down. 100%. Love that fucking if, movie. If you guys have seen the new Masters of the Universe Revelation, he also does the voice of Cringer and Battle Cat. <laughs> does he really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I love Stephen Root, dude. He's 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 a he's a hidden Hollywood gem of a character. Just put him in any fucking film, and he fucking rules his scenes. Yeah, so you know, great Stephen Root uh, was in this as Lortha Peel, um, who is a um, I guess a, a 
what do they call him? A, a water um, monger or merchant? Um, moisture, mo- moisture. He would call himself a moisture merchant, but he, he would be a moisture monger. Yeah. <laughs> so we also have uh, like the appearance of Sophie Thatcher as Drash. Although they never said a character name. This is just in the credits that she's credited as. Uh, what else was she in? Because I knew her face the moment she turned around, but I could not pinpoint it. So the thing I recognized her from instantly was she played a young Reagan from the Exorcist TV show um, that was on like a, a couple, a few years back. So she played Gina, like a young Gina Davis, basically, um, who yeah, in turn, in turn was um, Reagan. Uh, holy shit. I'm drawing a complete blank. Who played Reagan in the original Exorcist? Linda Blair. Uh, Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Yeah. So essentially, she played the same character as Linda Blair, like an earlier version gotcha. of, of her. So, I was just confused when you, when you said the other name. I was like, huh? Yeah. So, G, well, I guess in a, in a way, it's a bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but oops. Um, but uh, yeah, so she's been in uh, a few other things, um, some some TV stuff, but most notably, I guess she's uh, killing it on the show Yellow Jackets. I guess a lot of people have been oh. r- raving about her and that on Showtime. And uh, I haven't watched. And yeah, so. really excited for that show. She looked really familiar though, so she must look like somebody else that I recognize. She reminded me of uh, like a couple of people at different times. Uh, the actress who plays Jessica Jones. Um, I could see that. And now I'm drawing bit. a. Yeah, now I'm drawing a blank on. She kind of reminds me of uh, Susan Sarandon's daughter. I can't yeah, yeah, I can see that. Oh, and uh, uh, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, oh, the actress who plays uh, um, very, very first. I thought it was the actress who plays uh, Kate Bishop. Okay, mm. but I don't see that one. Nope. Oh, it's, you know. She was talking from like a like a really poorly, uh, like really poorly framed and and shot uh, group thing. I couldn't get a real good look at her. Plus, I can't really see very well either. So, so one other thing I wanted to bring up. So Sophie Thatcher. A lot of people were theorizing that when they saw like a a, a, a tiny little um, snippet of her in one of the trailers that she looked a lot like the character of Arden Lynn. And Oh God, really? Like you can't bring Arden Lynn in, especially if Whore wasn't a member of the tribe. <laughs> well yeah, so Arden Lynn was a uh she does have some EU um cred to her beyond this, but um she was in Masters of Tarascasi, um the the amazing video game. Uh, that we've referenced. Yeah, she was actually the only one who actually knew Terrascasi. Like that was the right. only character that you know, right. actually fought with that style. Because the thing is, she had a robotic arm, and she does look kind of similar. Like if you look at the character, like there's some similarities there. So, the haircut and stuff. Yeah, like the haircut and yeah. the the you know the the droid arm, the robot arm. So. And she was a master of Tarascasi. So we didn't get a chance to see this character played by Sophie Thatcher fight. We did see her use a knife, but that's that's pretty much all we got to see. So if she knows Tarascasi, maybe we could, you know, um, I we'll, we'll talk more about that character later on because, uh, uh, you know, we have a lot to get to in this. At this, 
at this time frame, if you're a fucking little low-level street gang in Mos Espa, you better know how to fight because it doesn't sound like it's been nice there for a few years. Yeah, for sure. And also, one of the other um, members of the Vespa Street Gang was uh, Jordan Bulger, uh, played the character of Scad. Uh, we also now have, um, we've unmasked the actor who played uh, Black Chrysanthemum, and uh, it is uh, Carrie Jones, who is, um, he's he's done a lot of makeup stuff. So, like, he's he's been like Just a- sad, because he's kind of, he's kind of a- He's kind of a poor man's um, um, Idris Elba. Like, he's not a bad-looking dude, so it's weird that most of his stuff is prosthetic. Yeah, I mean, he he did, like, he did. He was mostly, uh, like, a supervisor. He was actually doing the behind-the-scenes makeup. He does have, Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. He does have some acting credits to his name, but, but they're, you know, they're pretty small and mostly as someone done up in makeup like he played uh, a character in the new creep show s- series on shutter and um he was a character on the orville tv series uh probably oh yeah who was he on the orville Akor. was that the husband of the one i don't know he was only in one, racing dudes? he was only in one episode i've never seen the show okay so i wouldn't be able to tell you then that, that wasn't him then um wow okay he was in <laughs> He was in uh, a movie called This Is... Oh, the movie This Is The End. You guys remember that with um, uh, James Franco, Jonah Hill, yeah, Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, Dan Yeah, it's fun stuff. Well, he's credited as playing a character, and I'm not... uh, This is what it says on IMDb, as the rape demon. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was the only demon they called out by name, and that's what they called it, was the rape demon. We gotta get the fuck away. There's a rape demon, man. (laughs) And he also played the Alpha Werewolf in the Teen Wolf TV series, and also one of the oh. one of the Predators in Predators from 2010. Nice. So, so he's tall, probably. Yeah, right? like, yeah. My guess yeah. is he's he he fits into a, a suit really well. So I'm sure that. Well, if if Kersantin's any fucking indication, that motherfucker gives a mean fucking stare through prosthetics because yeah. his fucking yeah. oh, shit. His, his stare down his stare downs are no fucking joke in this show. The um. It's uh, there are a, lot, a few folks like that. The guy who plays uh, the creeper in the um, you know regrettable Jeepers Creepers films is like a really handsome guy, Jonathan Brickman. Um, like he looks like a Ken doll. <laughs> but like he, he, so he, he has no penis. He has a Ken doll down there. Is he we, we we got we were friendly, but not that friendly. <laughs> Didn't see his celebrity butthole. Oh, I had it would have been real. Jesus. All right. Well, anyways, let me continue on. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Danny Trejo as uh, the Rancor yes. Keeper. Uh, yes. Once again. There's going to be a Danny Trejo action figure, motherfuckers. Oh, I am so fucking jazzed. I hope it comes with a fucking beast. <laughs> and uh, once again, reprising the awesome uh uh, ma- uh, major domo of Mock Shies is uh, David Piscazzi. Piscazzi. <laughs> this guy, this guy needs to be him and homeboy who does uh, uh, Carsantin, Man, I hope I hope that this fucking breaks them out into the public fucking knowledge base after this show, because this guy is awesome. That dude who plays the fucking Twi'lek is fucking great. <laughs> And that's pretty much it. I mean, we get some other like 
minor appearances here and there. Um, but you know, all, all people we've mentioned in the past, so I'm not going to go over everybody. And, uh, Simply enough, the synopsis, Boba Fett must deal with two very different threats. Yeah. All right. So we, we've been doing kind of initial reactions. Uh, I think that's a good way to start. So, um, Rocky, you, you were talking about being rigid. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what was your initial reaction after watching it at three in the morning when you normally do? Uh why do you always start with me, first of all? Secondly, um, you're the one that doesn't honestly, stop talking about your fucking erections. So, well, dude, I was so happy when Steven Root showed up. I'm like such a huge fan, uh, just him in general. So, when he showed up, like I said, I had to double take with the beard. He's lost so much weight over the years that he's kind of unrecognizable sometimes. But uh, the second he started talking, I was like, get the fuck out of here, rock on, Steven Roots in Star Wars. But when fucking, when Trejo showed up, dude, I, I knew it had to be somewhere. I figured he might be an alien in a side scene because Rodriguez loves Trejo, and I just knew it was going to happen kind of thing. I just didn't expect him to give him this. We'll probably see him again for for the character he was playing. And uh, I'm just, I've the fact that there's going to be a Danny Trejo Star Wars action figure has made my life a little brighter today. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> and and this did inspire me. I can't blame Alberto for this one, but it also did inspire me to still not have any sleep and go down and 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 do another little piece of shit for this show today. Yeah. So yeah. I was inspired. I do, I do have some complaints about this episode, but it, overall, I was. It's bringing me joy, just like when Mando started. I know that when three o'clock in the morning comes, I'm going to get a little bit of joy before I pass out. So, Sounds like a review of your sex life. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't just lay there, Ooh. it would be all a lot more exciting. Well, I guess Mars, <laughs> since since you have some things to say, what what uh what was your opinion upon uh, first watch? I liked. I, I I mean, I'm still I'm still all in. I I really like it. I um am interested to see you know like the the thing i'm most interested in isn't anything necessarily about the lore it's the you know born again boba and his quest to like uh sort of be a you know a more pious person um and uh you know like i really am into that stuff and i and i uh i i do think that uh Unlike the Mandalorian, which was a little more grab baggy, I think that there's like the tropes in this are more wholesale, like complete. So like I I felt like a lot of stuff that happened here, as far as flashback stuff anyway, um, I knew was gonna like happen uh, like in the first episode. So Boba makes you grab your bag, but Mando doesn't. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, all in all, I like it. Uh, when we get there, I do have some... Uh, uh, there's only one thing in the episode. I didn't dislike it, but I uh, I feel like it, it didn't... It, it maybe wasn't up to smuff, snuff. It looked undercooked, especially with... I think you know, you're going the same route I am with my only problem with this episode, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but um yeah okay sorry I didn't know you're done. Oh, I liked it uh alberto 
Yeah, uh, I liked it. I, um, I like how it, it seems like the. Um, I figured they were going to do this, but the the two storylines were going to converge. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the, you know, last week we saw saw a lot more of the uh, the flashback stuff, and this this week it was kind of the opposite. Um. But they're right. uh, they're they're definitely making the the uh, present day stuff more intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we discussed that pretty heavy last week that uh, there was going to be a transition where we was going to stop telling le- less about the past and more about the current. So for yeah, me, you kind of got you got to do it, but yeah. For me, I, I mean, I kind of am on on board with with all you guys. Like, I I really enjoyed this episode. I, I it. For me, it wasn't as exciting as the last one, but I mean, that's going to be hard to top because I think we've all talked about how episode two was one of our favorite like Star Wars things in the last few years. So, you know, I think that one's going to be hard to top. It, this one, you know, um, felt it just there wasn't as much that happened. There wasn't as, uh, you know, there was a lot of big things that happened, but uh, and a lot of surprises and, and, and things like that. Um, but I guess overall, it, um, there wasn't as much action or as much excitement. Um, but overall, I would disagree with that a little bit. I would actually okay. say that there was a pretty constant in severity of necessity that they needed to take care of, whether it was the first incidents, uh, you know, with them in the street gang to the second incidents with the chamber to immediately, it was like, you know, fuck it. We're not waiting on fucking the mayor and them going and doing that shit. So I think it stayed pretty even keel with action. Um, but I do agree that two was done better as an action episode. Yeah. I I guess what I mean is like two was pretty riveting all, all, all throughout. We got the big reveal of, of the twins and black Kersantan. And then from there we go to like an extended, um, flashback, uh, with the, you know, the whole thing with the train. And, and we all agree that that was pretty outstanding. So just, uh-huh. you know, I think that, um, overall it was just a more potentially exciting episode. Just, just overall. Um, this, this one was, was good. I liked it. Um, and there was a lot of good stuff. And the thing I did enjoy was that they did move the, plot the present day plot along a little bit further in this one than they have done in the other two and uh, maybe well, there's only seven episodes right yes. the show's only seven episodes yeah, really, really so four more now we're almost halfway yeah, that's exactly it yeah. so this was the episode that really put the exclamation point on the severity of the situation so it left it yeah. with a good i hate to use the term mid-season because it's not mid-season but it's a good exclamation point to catalyze as alberto said pushing us forward forward into the modern present day story with a lot more vigor and a lot more danger one thing i will add is i i feel like this episode almost moved some plot lines ahead faster than I would have liked them to. I, you know, and I, I readily admit that, you know, I think that there, there is a theme going on here and we actually see, see it outside Java's palace um, with um, there's that scene where we have the war, wart eating a flying thing, eating another thing, you know, so <laughs> I love that little Jedi callback there. That was yeah. Great. Yeah. So they did like, you know, the, 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 the flying, um, animal eating like um, like the small one and then the wart eating that you know and it's almost like there's 
it's almost like that Qui-Gon thing. There's always a, you know, a bigger fish. Um, you know, so that was one of the things I think is a theme running through this is there's always someone bigger and more powerful that, that is ready to step in or behind the scenes. So I feel like that was actually a nice little foreshadow because, you know, in this we have Boba and then the twins show up and now we have a third party that is involved. So I thought that that was actually pretty interesting and I liked that, but for me, I, I don't know. I just I thought the appearance of the huts was um, really surprising, and 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 I didn't expect that at all. Uh, I know we talked about. Well, that. I I still think it's because there's going to be an even bigger fish, and I know what my hopes is that they are. But I think that right now, because like I said, with with this being enough to catalyze the huts to be like, listen, war's bad for business. We're fucking out. We suggest you do the same. You know, fucking yeah. that's great. And this, and then we see who the faction is, who's in the play, who's the third tier. But I think it being this early to set this up there's going to be an even bigger fish. So I do agree with you. That there's a nice foreshadowing to how the show is going to go, but I think we haven't seen shit yet for yeah. epicness. And, and I'm not complaining. Like I, I, you know, I don't think that that hindered the show or the narrative. It's just one of those things that I thought we probably weren't going to get resolution until later. Um, but I do have trust in John Favreau as a writer. And if he has a story to tell, there must be a reason for, for introducing the twins and, and then having them leave and, and potentially, you know, be players later on. And, you know, so that was surprising that that story seemingly wrapped up. I'm not, I'm not saying it, it is fully wrapped up, but seemingly wrapped up. And we got, you know, some more with black Kersantan, which obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk more in depth later on, but yeah. And that's it. I mean, I, I enjoyed the episode quite a bit. Um, it didn't take away from my enjoyment of it. Uh, I was just surprised that, that they jumped, um, that they sort of like had, if not an end to that story, sort of like in a, an abrupt kind of end to the twin storyline, seemingly. So, but, uh, Wolfie, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I, I can't, I, I've been thinking hard while you were talking and I, I don't, I can't like verify chronologically, uh, but I think that this episode had the most, like this had two solid like action set pieces that like took up, you know, you know, 10 minutes or so in the show. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know how long the train chase was, you know what I mean? Or, um, but I know, you know, like compared to like the first episode, um, this, this had more action, uh, or, or more action set pieces anyway, like scenes. Yeah. Um, it, it did potentially have more. I mean, we got the yeah. Tosh, Toshi station fight and then the, um, and then the train heist. But in this one, uh-huh. I mean, I guess we got the, um, the fight in Java's palace with black Kersantan. And then, you know, later on we get the, the chase. So, yeah, yeah. We, it was certainly the most in this timeline. Yep. Um, well, and this, speaking of this timeline too, the fact that I thought you were going to say this, but this also did a great job of letting you know exactly where the present day time is falling. Cause when he goes through most Eisley and, uh, to meet the pikes, it, it, you know, you saw, um, you saw the trooper helmets on the pikes that Mando saw at the fucking beginning of Mando, and you also saw, um, Pel- what's the, what's the, Pel- Pel- 
Pelly saw her walking by. Yep. So it kind of was a nice little to let you know at this time frame he was at the tail end of his Tuscan time at the time Mandalorian started. Um, I mean, Pelly would have been there for a while. Like, and you're, I mean, you're right about the stormtrooper helmets. I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have stayed up for years, but they, the dude was just putting them up. So that right. was, you know, so I would, say, I would say give or take two to three years, you know, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, well, let's, um, now that we got some reactions, let's jump into just kind of discussing the episode as a, as a whole. So, um, when we, when this episode kicks off, um, let me see, where does this one kick off? Oh, so once again... Yeah, just giving the rundown of where the where yeah. Bib Fortuna's control was. I wanted to mention the Bomar um, monks, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the spider. That, yeah, that made me happy too. So we've we've seen, you know, we saw that we saw that in the trailer, and the Bomar monks, if... Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but if folks aren't familiar, um, they were monks who basically wanted to give up all material things and basically, you know, as monks do, they give up their material things, but they give up, they basically gave up everything just to keep their minds, um, in like a globe filled with liquid and they take on these spider sort of like droid, like spider bodies. And it, it kind and of, tech- good. No, I was just saying, technically, they are the ones who own, quote-unquote, Jabba's palace is actually the Bomar Monastery that Jabba took over, but they allowed they allowed it to happen, and they resided there, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and that's because they gave up all sort of, like, you know, like 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 monks do in our world, they, they give up all possessions and all physical, you know, goods, basically. So, you know, and, and I think it's kind of a kind of an interesting thing um yeah let me just read something to maybe be a little bit more succinct it says uh the bomar monks uh, were a religious order that believed in isolating themselves from all physical sensation to enhance the power of their minds to that aim enlightened monks had their brains transplanted into nutrient-filled jars Uh, whenever they wanted to move those bottled brains used spider-like droid walkers older monks using four-legged walkers while more recent ones using six-legged variants um, it says the order possessed multiple regeneration gems, which at the time of Jabba the Hutt were stored underground behind triple doors. So that's, it's kind of a cool thing because it's, and this is the whole idea of one thing we're seeing is like the owners and someone else coming in and taking over something that was theirs. You know, we're seeing that with, um, you know, with the uh, Tuscan Raiders and, you know, who are the residents of the, the Dune Sea and others kind of coming in to take over their land, whether it be the, the pikes coming through with the train or, um, or also with the Moisture kin- farmers and settlers. Yeah. Or the Kintan Strider, uh, biker gang of, of Nikto, um, which we'll talk about them a little bit later as well. So, so yeah, so I think that it's kind of this interesting concept of, um, and also I think it mirrors Boba's path, Right, because he had this one path kind of picked out for him where he has the family legacy to live up to and now he's kind of forging his own you know, he's he's basically has you know, left his legacy behind in a in a sense, not completely, but and is rediscovering, you know, who he is for himself. And 
one actually, I want to call it out now because there's one one scene of that in this when during the Black Chrysanthemum attack, he reaches for his whistling birds um, attachment for his for his um, gauntlet, and immediately he gets punched in the face by Black Chrysanthemum, and then he ga- grabs the gaffy stick, and that's successful in in injuring Black Chrysanthemum. So I think it's just showing like his old methods don't work as well as his new ones do. You know, so I thought that was also kind of a cool thing. So, you know, I think there's, there's, it's multi-layered and we're getting a lot more going on here than just a story about the bounty hunter Boba Fett and how he became a crime boss. You know, it's about identity and it's about, um, ownership. Yeah. Reinvention and and ownership. And so I, I think it's super interesting and it plays up a lot of themes and this is a theme that. I think a lot of people will resonate with because of the last couple of years as we've lived through a pandemic, you know, almost two years at this point. And a lot of people have, you know, in a sense, reinvented themselves or, or looked deep into themselves in the ways they, that they do things to try to see if they can do things. Not in the ways Mars does with the mirror under the cubbies. Oh boy. That's not how you want to look deep into yourself. (laughs) God, try to say something, something nice. (laughs) It's turned into a deep fake butthole joke. Jesus. Oh, it's no fake, sir. <laughs> so, I, you know, I do think that there's a lot of really interesting themes being played on, and they are demonstrating them by these little quick little vignettes outside Java's Palace with the Bomar monks, with the warts, um, you know, like little things like that. I, I just think it's super interesting that they're kind of driving home these little themes. Yeah, I mean, this is this is this is how this is the kind of way I like where you a do I'm going to use the term nostalgia to start, but it's not just nostalgia. It's the way you take the nostalgia and you can weave it with, like you said, the allegory of where the tale is taking us by using these familiar things that makes you go, ah, but on another level, it takes you somewhere else. If you're really paying attention. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, works really well. And, and I think that, Maybe, maybe I didn't notice it as much in the Mandalorian, but I th- I feel like they're really kind of playing up on 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 bigger themes here with this, and you know where we get those quick little vignettes or whatever you want to call them outside Jabba's uh, palace. And by the way, are we still calling it Jabba's palace? <laughs> uh, else I think is, is it Bo- yeah. Boba's boudoir or something? <laughs> <laughs> Boba's booby hatch. <laughs> I think that it's always going to be Jabba's palace. However, technically, it should be the Bomar Monastery. Yeah. But, you know. Exactly. I mean, it should be. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, there is um, some pretty cool themes that are being played upon here. And, you know, we get a little glimpses of that. And But then, yeah, as, as mentioned, we cut to 88 talking about Mos Espa and it's it's one of these things that it's like it's like why didn't you tell him this first of all <laughs> like <laughs> you know give him the rundown of what's going on here yeah you would have thought this would have been some day one shit yeah this is like a gangster 101 but um but still um you know and they have a nice little um kind of back and forth about he's like why don't you mention his name you know I thought you what he's 88 says uh uh, I didn't think I didn't want to offend you. Yeah. <laughs> but I love uh Boba says he he's dead. He can't hurt you. 
Uh, what was the what was the line AD told him? Because after he said I didn't want to offend you, he's like, "Why would it offend me?" And the reason for it, he's like, "Well, now I'm offended." He says, "I, I was, I was concerned that you would feel insulted." Right. He says, "Why would you feel? Why would I feel insulted? Because you felt threatened." And then he says, "Well, now, well, I'm, now insulted. I'm insulted." <laughs> exactly. There's some really great dialogue in this show. Like I said, that's why this is why I love the Major Domo Twilight for the mayor. For that exact reason, he's really quippy and quick, and it makes the makes the funny dialogue happen nice and tight and in and out. Yeah, and there was also one other point about that conversation with AT8 is he mentions when he he doesn't when he t- mentions Jabba's death, he refers to it as the sail barge disaster. Um, and I think right. I think another part of this too is um, narratives like. You know, this is the narrative that was spread because if if the truth was you know what was out there, you know of of like well well Jabba was killed by Princess Leia by a rebel, um, that you know that w- probably wouldn't have worked so well in terms of uh, the Hut Empire and, and all these other things relating to his power and maybe um, you know maybe Bib Fortuna was able to kind of profit a little bit off of. Um, some spin on it, you know, of um, some propaganda about it, t- calling it a disaster, and from there being able to garner some sympathy or something like that, you know. So I think it's just kind of interesting if if that's what the the droid is parroting, that must have been what Bib Fortuna was 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 saying about it and how it was referenced, as opposed to his murder or death or whatever, you know. Yeah, it makes sense. Plus, for him to maintain control to make it look like an accident. Yeah. To the outside people, you know, the people in town. Yeah. So, you know, and they bring up, um, you know, the the power vacuum and, and how they talk a little bit about how Bib Fortuna assumed the mantle. And really, he he didn't he didn't really. All he did was kind of like unite the three families, you know, because there's the, you know, as, as 88 mentioned, the Trandoshans um, in the city center. We have the Aqualish in the workers' district. And then also the Clatoonians. Yeah, the Clatoonians in the starport and the upper sprawl, he says. Well, I think I think he also made mention to the fact that it had to be done because the huts had power. Bib did not, so the only right. way he could maintain a foothold was to unite the other families, whereas the families when the huts were in control wouldn't fuck around, but I guess he figured they find out the huts are dead not in control, there'll be a problem. So it was just the wisest choice to make sure the other little crime groups were under your fucking thumb instead of, you know, like I said, they, they probably were a little more in fear of a hut being in charge than they would be Bib Fortuna. Fear of the hut. I like it. Um. So yeah. So and and also, Clatoonians, um, wanted to to mention because that was the race that was featured in the Mandalorian. Um, what was the name of that episode? The very first one, weren't they? Most of the troops that were in the city where they held the child. Uh. I actually didn't remember them there. I was thinking of the one where he went to that planet, and then there was the they had the AT um, uh, the ATST. Oh yeah, 
You're right. Those were the Clatuians. It was Weequay that were at the first city in the first episode of Mando. So you're right. Yeah, the Clatuians. First Dallas all- Howard episode. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That was uh, Sanctuary, Chapter 4, Sanctuary. So, that, yeah, so we, we have seen them before, and they've also been in some of the animated stuff. I mean, we haven't seen Star Wars Resistance yet, um, or at least uh, we haven't done it on the show, um, but apparently there is Clatoonians uh, in that. I don't know if it's one specific character or not, but... So, There's one of the pilots is Clatoonian. Okay, so we'll probably see more Clatoonians in you know in in later episodes especially if if boba is going to try to unite them once again so you know it, it kind of cool and it makes sense that we have seen the a lot of um Trandoshans in one area when he's going to to sanctuary um, city center yeah yeah and then when, and hey mars is going to be excited because we're going to get a bunch more ponda babas too <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing that's interesting about this is AT8 says, you know, uh, Bib Fortuna basically united them, and he all you know the whole time he was lining the pockets of of Mayor Mok Shais. So, uh, Mok Shais obviously probably doesn't like that Bovis here and trying to run things a little bit more legitimately because he he wants his. That's why he came and sent his major domo to look for a tribute because. That's how. That's what. That's what his deal with with uh, Bib was. You know, with Bib and probably all those other factions too, are probably giving him all kickbacks. So yeah. you know, yeah. And you know, and and he also does bring up, and this is one thing that we kind of talked about in the first episode, in chapter one, where Boba got like, you know, he got kind of got punked out in the streets by the assassins, and how that looked badly. And you know, I love Stephen Root's dialogue yeah. explaining that too. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so he does mention that. Um, I w- I, w- I was embarrassed for you. Yeah. Lortha Peel <laughs> is uh, talking about that. So I thought that that was also um, also kind of a, a nice little thing. And so at that point, then we get then we have a uh, Stephen Root's character, Lortha Peel. Uh, comes in and seeks an audience with Boba, and you know, then he obviously talks about the oh, uh, the biker real, game. real fast, real fast before we forget because they're pretty predominant in this episode too. And this is the first one where he does it. That uh, the one Gamorian who um, doesn't uh, doesn't wear the helmet. Um, the actor inside that is actually uh, turns out I was reading an article today. Turns out he's a. Um, He's like a he's like a war hero. He like saved in real life. Like you save like a whole village of motherfuckers in Afghanistan or something like that. And uh, he's like an actual like literal war hero playing Mechamorian. It must be Colin Himes then, because I'm, he's the one I'm not familiar with. Where the other one, Frank Trigg, was a UFC fighter. So yeah, it's 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 the one without a helmet. If I'm not, if the picture they lined up with the article is correct. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, this is such a great it's a, uh, such a great scene with Stephen Root and he he once again plays it kind of like David Piscazy, um this sort of like swarmy, you know, trying to show respect but is secretly sort of like trying to get sweet talk boba into agreeing to what he wants him to do, you know. So <laughs> 
I again, I just love the way he's like. So yeah, it's just you know nobody respects you. Yeah. But wait, wait, wait. Like Finnick's ready to have Gamorans fuck his ass up. Like even the <laughs> droids like. Remember the eighty eight was even like wait. And as I'm, soon as he said something like that, I'm insulted on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yeah, it was just fucking his his dialogue was awesome, and it coming out of the mouth of Stephen Root was just charming as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so after that, I mean, it's a great it's a great little scene, and then after that scene, from there, um. He he basically goes right to Mos Espa at night, and and this is something I wanted to talk about. Is this is the first time we're seeing Mos Espa at night, and I thought that that was a nice little change because we're you know we're so used to seeing it um, by day, and it looks totally different at night. It has like a totally different vibe to it. Yeah. So I thought that that was a, a nice a nice little uh, change, and it makes sense. I mean, it looked like um, the. Uh, well, there wasn't that most Espa where um, uh, Mando hung that guy from a light post. No, that was another planet altogether. Yeah, that was um, yeah, it was another planet. Beginning of season two, that was uh, oh god, um, John Leguizamo. Clown from Spawn. John Leguizamo, yeah. yeah. Uh, My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to look yeah, I, I, I like the. It's got a CD vibe to it. I, I, again, I always love the establishing shot whenever they go into Mos Espa. I just like the overhead shot they do, and seeing it at night was really cool. So I did like visually enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, it, it just makes it look different. It feels, di- you know, especially if they're going there. If, if they're, I mean, it seems like so far every episode we've gone to Mos Espa, so it just adds a little variety. Oh. By the way, I did uh, also when when um, Stephen Root's character was explaining what his problem was, you know, that, you know, people stole water from him. He's a moisture, you know, magnet and he's, you know, somebody stole his shit. And I like the way he explained the gang when, you know, because, again, we've talked about this, that up until Echo most recently in The Bad Batch, you know, there's been limited cyborg presence. And even in the films, you basically had Dengar, and that was pretty much the, you know, Luke with his hand and stuff, I'm sure maybe. But, you know, cybernetics are a huge thing in a lot of the games and a lot of the old EU. Yeah. So when he was explaining the cyborg issue, um, it was pretty cool for me to anyway yeah. hear him explain that. The main character in the Bounty Hunters comic is a cyborg. Yeah, and, and it even... It was a stormtrooper who got fucked up. Because he can't shoot. And you're right. I mean, we did see, obviously, Luke and, and obviously, Anakin. And, well, Vader, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, and, and also Maul, um, when he gets cut in half. And, you know, there's a lot of characters, and you are right, especially in, um, I mean, you know, just to go back to Star Wars Galaxies, they even had a, a patch later in its life where they added cybernetics into the game where you could basically add add like you could pretty much have all cybernetic limbs you could have like arms legs torso you know and they give you like the only thing that's missing is a brain in a jar yeah exactly so it is this was like 100 percent replaced right yeah yeah i mean he he his i can't remember do you guys remember his race the race uh grievous's race uh, oh shit! Not offhand. Um, they're they're in the old republic. Uh, fuck, what's that? I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Yeah, 
Grievous is predominantly just a brain and a heart in a yeah. metal cage. Yep. Uh, Grievous. Despite all his rage, Grievous and technically is the, just a metal cage. <laughs> Kalish. Uh, yeah, there you go. And also, I mean, the Bomar monks, they're technically that. Yeah. I mean, they're nothing but a brain operating a machine. Yeah, exactly. So you're right. I mean, this is this is a big part of Star Wars um, just lore in general. So it is kind of cool to, to see this. This is not a left field whatsoever. And it's no. kind of. I didn't. I didn't. Ex- I didn't expect them to be fucking sixties era British mods, mind you. But you know, <laughs> well, what's cool about it, uh, and that I, I thought that was cool about it too. But yeah. what's cool about it is that we've watched it, th- you know, from uh, you know uh, Clone Wars era to up through New Hope. You know, like it seems like it's getting to be. Uh, like a street level thing now, you know, and opposed, it was just like kind of yeah. technology that seemed like, you know, military races had and, and, you know, uh, bigger budget, uh, you know, well, things. Also, I would expect that after the fall of the empire, which is this time frame when everything went crazy, there's black market, everything with technology and shit like that. You know, flying sure, off sure. Of down ships and fallen mm-hmm. facilities and shit. I just didn't expect them to look so fancy. <laughs> I was like, there should have been a version of like a Star Wars take on a David Bowie song as they got on their space Vespas and. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> especially, especially to do with the cybernetic eye. Like his whole getup, I could have seen Bowie wearing that circa nineteen eighty two. Which one the the, mm-hmm. the main uh, the main the one with the the one with the cybernetic eye yeah the one that Fett tells later keep an eye out yeah yeah <laughs> you know it's interesting actually because I was watching um, some of the Easter egg things someone pointed out that um, his eye looks like um, one of the eyes from the uh, Techno Union guys um, yes so I thought that that was kind of interesting I wonder if there is a connection there that um, well. I always got the feeling that the techno union was who, who really perpetuated and spurned the cybernetic, the, the whole thing within the Star Wars universe. Because they made it seem like the techno union was a big reason how they had the technology to rebuild Vader when when Anakin fucking went out. So I feel like there's probably a reason for that. Most of the cybernetics originate from there, kind of like uh, Soro Sub has their look to their ships and equipment yeah. and all that shit. The techno union sounds like a band that would have irritated me in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Watt Tambor was, was one of the techno union. He wasn't the one with the eye though. There was a, I can't remember the name of the, those characters, but anyways, yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of, of that. Um, but y- you could see like one had like a cybernetic leg, um, Drash, who uh, was wearing, was played by Sophie Thatcher. Yeah, it was the arm. Um, so, you know, and then there's a couple others. Uh, with one, one, um. <laughs> that one dude had the cool little retractable laser blade thing during the yeah, car chase. Yeah, yeah. In the, in the dude's foot. Yeah, I love that foot. <laughs> that foot was crazy, foot. right? <laughs> <laughs> but there was something kind of like... 
generally like the this kind of thing i i i would maybe find kind of annoying with like these punk kids but i actually really like the way they played them up and i think the story mm-hmm. really um benefited them because it turns out that they're not the 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 punks that you know that the wa- uh water magnet says says they are uh it's because well, yeah it's they're not paying the price because he's gouging them and he's exactly yeah and he's charging yeah. them exorbitant fees they, that were, they just can't afford it's exactly it's a brilliant bit of marketing too because uh i i think i've brought this up before in other things uh but like we're going through this weird time where the 50 year old actors and writers and directors who, you know, were writing about, you know, characters when they were 25 and, right. you know, were identifying our 50 now and they're, they're still holding on to them where we're living through the time of the Keanu Reeves and Liam Nielsen's and, you know, these like middle aged action heroes and this Boba Fett show definitely fits into that trend. Um, so I, you know, it's definitely a smart move to have like, uh, you know, I've even, I read an article recently that they think part of the trend, uh, that's hurting box office, you know, outside of the pandemic is that a lot of these big set piece things, like if you're like a 17 year old kid, you know, does Keanu, you know, or let alone Bob Odenkirk or, or, um, you know, even the Fast and the Furious guys look like your fucking dads, you know, fighting bad guys, you know? So it's it's like, I, I think, pretty savvy marketing to give uh, younger people something to hang their hats on in a, you know, in a... Well, you know, it's also, it's also, you know, it, tailing off of what you're saying, there's also the vibe, too, that it's, you know, you've got this younger generation who are coming up after the fall of the empire and you know they're now relegated to having to learn and find their way in a time where everything is chaos and you know it's 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 the younger group coming up and trying to make a stand for themselves so i think that's what's great about these characters was the fact that they did look different yet the same they they fit in star wars but they had that vibe of you know everybody else including the guy at the mayor's office you know he's got long scraggly hair and that 70s mustache we're used to seeing from the original trilogy stuff but here's these new kids that are looking a little more swank and young and they're literally just trying to survive it by sticking together in a in a shithole situation so Mm -hmm. you know it, it really does like you said draw a tangent to the way most young people feel about how their parents ruined the fucking society before kind of situation and, and right? also on, on, on a weird nitpick thing that i had when the new trilogy came out was that you know granted this is space a, a, you know a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, but look at how like people dressed in you know 1976 and how different they dressed in to you know 2018 and like you know all these motherfuckers were like dressed exactly the same, you know, Ray yeah. could have walked off the set of, of a new yeah. hope, you know? So like, I, I like the idea, uh, even though it doesn't seem to be a widespread thing of like, kind of like something that's uh, like a, a little more like, 
you know, a progression of fashion where I think that um, even though it was an iteration on like a Sith theme, the only thing we really got out of it was um, Kylo Ren in the, in the new trilogy, like everybody else. I mean, Poe Dameron, you know, looked like he was taking from Harrison Ford's costume closet. So, you know, yeah. In, well, it's also kind of funny that we talk about how it was a very 70s feel, and as much as I say they look like 60s British mods, there also is a tinge to the outfitting with the, with the with the girl's leather jacket and his coat as well that was kind of like, even with his eyepiece, was almost kind of 80s. So it was almost yeah. like this is the generation after that generation, right? So yeah, yeah. It touched, and, and like, I, even by the bright colors on their Vespas. And the hair, too. I think also, they were trying to... And the hair, yeah. The mod thing was, like, obvious because of the way the vehicles were, but I think they were yeah. trying to, I think they blended hit, both and it worked hit like a biker gang, you know, like a lot of biker gang aesthetic to, yeah. um, you know, differentiate from the swoop gang. Yeah, no, I liked it. Like I said, I, I didn't have a, I still felt like it fit. And obviously if you're people like us who've watched the clone wars, there's a lot of the younger characters that Ahsoka knew that when you saw them, they were slightly a little more, fancy yeah i i just like that whole scene it actually shows that um you know the character of drash played by sophie thatcher you know is this sort of like strong-willed character and she's you know surviving on the streets and the leader of this gang and she's standing up to the daimyo you know and basically Mm -hmm. saying like you know hey like we're going to continue to do this because this dude is ripping us off. So we're going to fucking rip him right. off right, right back. And, and she doesn't give a fuck right. who Boba Fett is. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, Boba I like Fett that. Was, was a thing like, that's my favorite line in, uh, in the new Ghostbusters movie where, uh, Paul Rudd asked them if he, you know, they, they you don't know the, the ghost attacks in New York. Yeah. Um, and he guns great. I was like, it happened 20 years before I was born. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, so like they they have no reverence for for him well, at all. Like, well, I like the fact that she actually said it's like, yeah, you're the damn you, and you're like the other damn yous before you. Fucking, you don't do fucking nothing but fucking suck up money. So she basically just immediately put up. It was like, I don't give a fuck who you are. So yeah, she was very. I, but then I like the fact that this actress also managed to say that. But by the same token, when Fett stepped forward, she did have that look of like, oh fuck. Real quick, a, so that a, was also yeah. a little, a little like she, you know, she definitely. But I love that she stand her ground, and that's eventually what you know got Boba to say, "You're coming to work for me," and gave him a job. And you know, I like the way he also. This is this is where Boba Fett showing the change in his diplomacy was. Not only did he say, "Listen, there's no," because what did he say? He's like, "You you you live in the fucking work, work sector, yeah, the work yeah. the working district or whatever, Where's yeah." Me? There's work. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, she's like, there is no fucking work. And he's like, well, then come work for me. But then he immediately turned around and asked the dude, how much do they owe you? When he said the price, that was like, well, fuck you. That's high. No, yeah. give All him right. 500. It, it was a very on brand political statement uh, about right now. Right. About like yeah, how definitely. older people kind of, you know, have a preconceived thing like it, you know, if you don't like, uh, you know, if you don't like your job, just go work somewhere else. Right. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Is that easy? Yeah. You know, like if you, you don't, know, yeah, if, if you, you don't like it, you, just go work somewhere else. Start your own company. Yeah, yeah. If you think it's too much, like have your own water. You know, that, like that, it, that it drives just, me like, nuts. It was, it was just a essentially, um, 
essentially Drash should have said okay boomer to fucking <laughs> Steven <Right. Root. laughs> But yeah, I did I did like the fact that he was diplomatic about it and did recognize that well you are ripping people off, so we'll give you this and you will cut your price. I like the fact that he addendumed it with he you will also cut your prices. Yeah. You know, here yeah. here's the money I'm willing to give you and you're only gonna charge this fucking much. Yeah, I, I did I did really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that um one thing I'm really enjoying and it was like totally driven home in, in like the next scene or I believe the next scene is that I really feel like Boba looked like he walked off like a Frank Miller drawing. Like he's <laughs> yeah. just like, he's, he's not like even, even with the arm more so with the armor on, but even when he's like walking around, you know, in a robe or whatever else, he's like, just not fucking shaped like anybody else. He, he's like, he's like a fucking, yeah, he is like that square, block. square Batman. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, he yeah, he yeah, looks right. like he's just a sturdy planted dude. He looks like going up against him is not going to be an easy push. Yeah, yeah, you know like I I I mean I was almost disappointed when the Mandalorian's helmet came off even though I knew who he was that you know he was like a, a you know a movie star. You know like uh despite the fact that he you know he's been in a million things over especially the last few years. Uh, I I think that Morrison is the furthest thing from like your traditional movie star and even even a little different than like you know a, a like a a a character a normal like hollywood character actor he's almost like a you know like something that would come out of like you know that tarantino would like pull out you know yeah, in like 2021 cuz he liked him. yeah yeah cuz yeah. he liked him in enter the dragon he he is definitely right. he's definitely a throwback and it's not the kind because they could they really could have cast anybody in this role, right? I mean, they could have you know got you know some some late thirties, early forties, like handsome Hollywood actor to play the role, or or even maybe they they change it so he doesn't take his take his yeah. If they didn't take his helmet off, yeah, right, right. but well, he's got to look a certain way. Yeah, no, I get I get that, but I mean, the fact that they went with you know with with you know, with uh, Tamora, I mean, it, it's, it's awesome because it just, I mean, it just makes sense. And he's an imposing looking figure and yes, he's not your typical Hollywood lead. Um, but he has this charisma and he carries himself incredibly well. He just looks really good with the armor on when he's walking up, trying to look and play like every time he enters the mayor's office, just the way he takes the stairs and the way he walks carrying the EE3, man. He fucking Boba Fett, dude. Like, he just looks good in there. Like Mars said, he's just a sturdy brick-looking motherfucker who looks dangerous even when you can't see his face. Yep. This There's one line he says to Drash. He says, you better fight as good as you talk, Dank. Now, yeah. is that in reference to Dank Farrick once again? Farrick, yeah, yeah. So do Which, we... Do we I know think exactly? Finnick has said it twice now. Yeah, she did say it in this episode, but do we know exactly what Dank Ferrick means? Is it like God damn it? Or something like yeah, that? Or fuck or it's the, it's the Star Wars equivalent to God damn it, I always figured. So the thing I w- wonder is like, you know, he says you better fight as good as you talk, Dank. Like I wonder like what he was meant by that. That's wasn't clear. Well, I guess kind of. I guess it's kind of like if you call somebody an asshole, but then you call somebody an ass. 
too. So it's kind of like maybe <laughs> Dank Farrick is like you can just fucking say the first word and people know the rest, so they're not yeah. fucking, you know. <laughs> or you little shit. Yeah, you little, yeah, exactly, you little shit. You better fight as fight as good as you talk, you little fucking shit. <laughs> exactly. Um, but that was. But I like I like the fact that they normalize it and make the wording sort of like as we would do, you know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we now know what Dank Farrick is due to the Mandalorian, and now further, and we used to know like Ituta and Pudu and stuff like that from the old stuff. It's kind of nice to see that it's just the common vernacular so much that you can drop a part of it off, and it means something either slightly different or the same without having to say the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, part of me, so the, there's Jawas in this scene. You can kind of see them next to um, <laughs> Stephen Root's character of uh, Lorth Appeal. And like, part of me is thinking, like, why the fuck doesn't Boba just shoot every fucking Jawa he sees out there? You know? <laughs> uh, did you see the meme I posted on our Facebook page earlier? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, it's it's. I think it's one of the things where. Um, you know, and also with this with this bike gang, um, he sees an opportunity to, as he's been saying, rule with respect, and he's showing them respect and giving them a job. Like they don't have a job, he gives them a job, and um, same thing with the Gamorrean guards. Um, you know, Fennec had said, you know, we should kill him, make an example out of them, but he showed them mercy and respect, and now they've already saved his life twice. You know. So even so much that, well, we'll get to that. Never mind. But it's interesting that, you know, like the way that he, he is slowly building up a, I don't know if you want to call him a force or, or like, you know, like a well, family. A you know? family. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting, he's getting trusted people in his family. Right. Yeah. And he's doing it, you know, not by, you know, threatening them or, or anything. It's, it's, as he said, through respect. And the good thing about this for him is, chances are people are going to actually like him and they're not going to want to pick him off or, or, you know, backstab him. So I think that's one of the, well, this is why it was, this is why it was smart with the younger ones because the younger ones will like, he can get the younger ones loyalty by treating them right, especially bringing them out of a shit situation and putting them in power. There will be some loyalty for that, which is much harder to get from frizzled motherfuckers who've been through two other crime lords. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just I, I thought that that was a just a great scene with you know with the bike gang, and it really showed um, you know how Boba was was going to rule, and and he is basically walking the uh, walking the walk about um, you know ruling with respect. So I thought that was just a great scene, and and now he's kind of got them in his em- employ, and they look like they're kind of badass, you know. So I, I like the line. If you don't like it, you can move to most Eisley. <laughs> yeah. Cause even Finnick kind of scoffed at that one as soon yeah. as he said it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is also kind of a nice thing to see where it's like, you know, when Obi-Wan tells you there's never been a more wretched eye of a skin. Well, apparently fucking most Eisley is the asshole of Tatooine. Like the other cities did have a level of prominence cause they had a lot of trading and shit going through and mess up. Most Espo was a much larger hub than Eisley was. Right. So before all we had was Eisley, really anybody ever seen live action. And that's what you thought everywhere on Tatooine really was, except for the prequels. 
but you didn't really get a vibe from Watto's shop what most Espo was all about. At least now you're kind of seeing that okay, this is a this is a more galactic travel hub for Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the biggest bands in the galaxy, the Most Eisley Brothers, actually came. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the Most Eisley Brothers. <laughs> oh shit! Every now and again, Mars, fucking gold, Jerry, fucking gold. <laughs> Oh shit. Um so yeah, after this, um Boba um you know, he tells the uh Vespa gang to uh get their shit. I think he called it Gak and uh come with me. And uh so then off off he goes and uh that's when we get the title scene, um the title card I should say, and from there, now um, Boba's in the back to tank, and he is now having dreams once again. And in this one, uh, we see initially a flashback of, um, you know, watching the Slave One um, depart. Yeah. yeah, depart from Camino. And in this, the thing I wonder is, do you think this was the last time he saw his 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 dad? No, because he was he was there. Yeah, they were together. Oh, of course, of course, yeah, because he grabbed the helmet. Yeah, never mind. Um, they chased Obi Wan there, remember, with the fucking yeah, seismic yeah, yeah. target. Yep. Okay. So I was wondering what it is about. I mean, maybe there's nothing about this specific scene then, but just the, you know, just the idea that he's kind of watching, you know, his father fly off, and it also just I, shows his isolation of how he's he's been alone most of his life, right? I also think it's also a juxtaposition because it always they always seem to start there and then transition to his time with the Tuscans. So I think it's like those are the only two times he felt like he was a part of something when he lived on Camino with his dad and when he lived with the Tuscans. I think it's the only time he's ever felt like he belongs somewhere as part of a family. So I think that's what they keep trying to tell you, that these are the only times because it's leading to him building a new family. Right, yeah. whatever he built here in Mos Espa as a crime lord is going to be his new family. So I think this is the foreshadow to that. Yeah, and and that's actually a really good point. And you know, because we've been, you know, he's referencing by these visions, like you know, like actual family, I guess in a sense, blood family. And then from there, you know, we see the family that that brought him in and taught him respect and accepted him. And then now he's building his own family. So yeah, I, I think I, I mean just had, that's something. I just I had a thought. What? What if this is foreshadowing him fucking meeting at the end of all this, dude? He fucking finds Omega. What if this is foreshadowing that he actually does have actual family out there, and we're gonna discover? Well, that is a possibility. And actually, I was gonna bring something up with that um, when we talk about the Rancor, but I'll just bring it up now. Um, we did see Omega ride a Rancor in Bad Batch. Just, just saying. Oh right, yeah. Mochi or Moochie, I can't remember. Mochi, I think was the name. Um, but she did ride a Bantha. Uh, not a Bantha. <laughs> I'm thinking like thinking like a Bantha. Ride it like a Bantha. Um, You're still thinking of that fucking meme. <laughs> fucking a now, week later. Now it's not like a Bantha. Now it's like a Rancor. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Moochie, you're so fine. I like to ride you all the time. Oh, Moochie. <laughs> oh, Moochie, you're so fine. Don't want to wipe your rank behind Moochie. Oh, Moochie. Uh, do I sense Hey, his- Moochie, what the heck happened to you? you? You got rescued and then you disappeared. <laughs> uh, Rocky, quick take five and go record that right now.
Okay, yeah, I'll go do another fast <laughs> round. You and Alberto are going to kill me one day. And then you bitch because I haven't had any sleep. All the bag of dicks. Well, to be fair, you did it to yourself today. It was your own earworm. I did, but now you're going to make me go do shit when I get off this podcast. I'm going to hate you for it. Uh, so we cut to Boba looking fucking majestic as fuck riding uh, as fuck. riding a bantha with his fucking uh with his robes on with his um tuscan robes on and i think the the banthas look fucking awesome in this like i know in the past they they were like elephants with like fucking you know like i think wearing a costume I think, but th- this bantha looks fucking awesome i think only you and mars are going to get this reference but a second as you the moment you said that all i could think of was that you're riding me a bantha <laughs> Oh man. Um So yeah, so he he you know, he and when he gets to Mos Eisley, uh in this is the in the flashback, he's riding the the Bantha and he's asking about the pikes. So he's going to go check in um with the pikes about the the money that they owe to the um, Tuscans. To the Tuscans, yeah. And as he's riding through Mos Eisley as as you mentioned earlier, we see a we Fine. see oh, a gentleman putting uh, stormtrooper helmets on pikes, and um, if you look at the guy, he looks like he he looks like an actual like army dude, like not someone in the Star Wars universe. He looks like someone who was like in the fucking like army in our world. And I know I've heard John Favreau mention before that he got this idea from Apocalypse Now or something along the lines of that, where you know, having right. the, the the helmets on on the on the on the spikes. I'll let you know because I'm actually getting ready to pull the trigger on the remastered Apocalypse Now that just showed up on our Netflix oh, okay, last cool. week. And then, yeah, and then we see Pelly walking with her pitroids on the opposite side, kind of like crossing paths without seeing each other. Which you know that made of, me happy. It's yeah. Pelly, she's adorable. Yeah kind of interesting and you know so now we know she's established in Mos Eisley at this time um, and my guess is when the Mando comes here um, the Pikes probably aren't there at that point in time because you know we talked about how the how close we are getting to the Mando timeline and well I, no because when Mando came Bobo was when Mando came Bobo is still wearing the fucking Tuscan yeah. gear. Yeah. No, so, I, I know that, but I, I don't think the Pikes Well, were, he got it from Manda. So, I mean, he wouldn't have had it when he found right. well, uh, no, no, no. Fennec Shen. Yeah, yeah. What I'm trying to say is, is that the Pikes are here in this flashback, but when Mando comes to Mos Eisley, uh, it's very likely that they are not there because I don't... I think they would have known everything that goes on. So... You know that that is, you know that is something to consider in terms of the timeline. Is that they probably moved on from Isley, and maybe they went to Mos Espa, as we see later on in the episode. You know, right. So he goes in, talks to the talks to the Pike leader. Um, I gotta say, like, I, I really do like the inclusion of the Pikes, and I think this is kind of a cool thing. We don't know if quite if they're the big players i mean that seems to be the case as we'll find out soon but um you know there could be as we said another a bigger fish in the ocean so to speak 
So, like Jaws, you mean? You talk well, about Jaws? There hasn't yeah, been oceans exactly. on Tatooine in a long time. <laughs> I know, as we've heard many times. <laughs> Ugh, Rocky, send me some weed. My head hurts. I got some good shit for that, man. I wish I could. And my body hurts. I got some good shit for that. Even with my delicious stop and shot clear splash blueberry water, like I still don't feel good. Splash. And that stuff's like heaven. Like came right on your mouth. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Whoa. that's why your body hurts. Yeah. <laughs> why? Because you're just drinking processed sugar. Yeah. There's no sugar in this at all. I doubt that. <laughs> what are you drinking again, Mars? I what? Sparkling water. I'm uh, on my second bottle of actual water, but mine has. Just drink actual water. Yeah. yeah, just drink water. Doesn't have to be sparkling. If you really want flavor in it, yeah. If you really want flavor in it just or something pee. like that, get some lemons. Or- <laughs> <laughs> I do that anyway. <laughs> Kevin it just like chocolate. Kevin Costner. It. <laughs> I'm I'm working my way, you know. Back, back to I, you, I, baby. I reason, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I have a reason to survive now. I'm. I'm fighting really. You know, I'm doing good. I, you know, it's a gradual process. Well, if I could send you some of the good relaxing weed I've got for those exact reasons, because I've got a, I've got a. It's it's weird because everybody I talk to who's played guitar for a long period of time are all having the same things at this age frame. Was like just between your neck and and your shoulder just starts bugging the fuck out of you so i keep a there's a nice little herb i got that's really takes the edge off of that shit that i wish i could get you because it really helps i just i just thought i'm dying if i hope i don't die on the air (laughs) i mean i hope that if you do our ratings will be through the roof (laughs) (laughs) did you hear that episode of that podcast where that dude died you do another show where a guy died on air, and I don't know if it moves the dial. <laughs> <laughs> he, well, he did. He died and then came back a few seconds later. But if it's yeah, final, yeah. before but, anybody noticed, that's yeah. the best part. <laughs> <laughs> he noticed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so it turns out the protection arrangement. Um, that Boba thought he made uh, is isn't really happening um, because they're making. They said that they he spoke to superiors in Obadiah, and they're unwilling to pay protection to two groups. And he says, right. "But we are only one party." And you know, and then he says, um, "Well, we've already made payment to the Kintan Striders, um, given their." their protection money. So we can't give it to you. Um, right. So there needs to be one party that lays claim to this area. So the Kintan Striders, uh, that is the uh, Nikto biker gang that that Boba um, beat up in the previous chapter. And also I had to look, I had to look it up because I couldn't remember. I know I've heard that name, um, and they are a species of life forms from the planet Kintan, um, whose appearance was used for one of the holographic pieces of the game Dejaric. So one of the pieces, um, the game pieces for Dejaric is a Kintan Strider. Um, so it says that they're intelligent enough to use simple tools. And, uh, also Tasu Leech, the top boss of the criminal gang Kanji Club, 
owned oh, a yeah. owned a Dunderbuss blaster whose handle was made from the ulna of a Cantan Strider. So I don't think that there's going to be a link here, but I mean, just because it it you know used a piece of a Cantan Strider to make a blaster, but interesting that there could potentially be a link to Kanji Club. Oh, they're another criminal organization, so it would make fucking sense. And Kanji Club, you know who, uh, you know Kanji Club, right, Mars? He only drinks Kanji Club soda. Tasu Leech um, was played by, um, oh my God. What the fuck's his name? George Burns? No. (laughs) Oh God, you devil. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, there's a reference I didn't expect to hear tonight. Oh God! <laughs> you devil, fucking George Burns, motherfucker. No, uh, I'm talking about. Um, I can't Gasp. believe I, I can't believe I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, no, Mad Dog Yayan, Yayan Ru- Ruyan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he played Tasu Leech in um, Force Awakens. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they had uh well, I, I thought they were just named as a group. Well, if you think if you think there's gonna be an appearance from solo in this fucking show, that would be an interesting tie in if this is where he's dealing with Kanji Club, which uh, sets up his shit. Uh <laughs> probably not dealing with Kanji Club then. That's my guess. But I don't know, just interesting. Yeah, there's like a thirty year gap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is there enough that Oh, this is right after New Hope, right? Yeah, so I mean, not New Hope, uh, Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just interesting that there's a there's a connection there. You know, just wanted to bring that up. Um, he was like, you know, knocking boots and making babies at this time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> He's got some Kylo batter flooding the fucking Leia plane. Uh, oh man, that's yucky. That's yucky. <laughs> yeah, that's yucky. Yucky. <laughs> you just keep eating that's your like, blueberry dingle. Blueberry water or whatever the fuck you're drinking. It's blueberry awesome water. And that's like talking about all of our nice space auntie. What? What? Talking about Leah is like talking about our nice space auntie. Firstly, it's Leah, you incoherent fuck nugget. And secondly, fucking Leah was hot. What is your problem? Leah was hot. She wasn't my grandmother when I fucking saw her the first time. Fuck you. I said auntie. Okay, she wasn't my auntie when I first saw her either. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry your family's not comely. Most of my family is rather attractive. Thank you. So. Did you say comely? I think you said homely. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I said homely. What you trying to say? When you were your rectal dreadlocks. Oof. Uh, nope, actually, thanks to show sponsor, Manscaped. Uh, <laughs> my whole area is right. He keeps that Wookiee under control. He, he just yeah. has the one dread. <laughs> the one, yeah. the one long one. He, he is one full dread. Yeah. He's just he dread, the dread, dread butt pirate Mars. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to look like a 70s porn star Bush Chewbacca, you got to get oh. the uh, Manscaped. I want to... Who fucking works the works the desk? Huh? I think he had a stroke. Yeah, I think so too. 
Someone, <laughs> someone shot him with a fucking uh, dart. Poison dart. Fuck it. The world. All right, so we were talking about... Um, well, we were talking about Kanji Club, but we were talking about the Kintan the, the Strider and the the bike gang. So, and there's a lot of reference to, you know, in this one, we, well, last episode, we got um, the Tuscans talking about how Tatooine used to be full, you know, like used to be full of water. And once again, in this one, we hear on like two separate occasions that the ocean's dried, you know, did, you know, and, and we also get that with, um, with a uh, Lorth appeal. You know, hey, did you know that, you know, they're really driving this home and it, it feels like it's, you know, like that's where, you know, Boba came from. Um, he came, you know, came from the, uh, um, oh my God, I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank on everything. You know? Camino. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, he, um, grew up all, he grew up around water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so it feels like they're really kind of drive that point home a little bit. I don't know if, if you know, if it's sort something about like transformation. Um, but they're, you know, they're driving that point home. And so at this point, um, the Pikes say we're happy to do business with either party, um, you know, but we don't want to be taken advantage of. So Bova says basically, all right, well, I'll take care of this shit. <laughs> and then he rides back to camp. And now, uh, Rocky, you better pull out that bong. Yeah, buddy, I'm going to have to fucking, I got to fucking, I'm packing it up as we speak. So go ahead and take <laughs> us there. I'll be ready. I'll be ready when time comes. I'm doing it for Mars, too, since his fucking spine and rectum have given out. <laughs> spine and rectum. It nearly killed him. Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. I've actually cybernetically fused my spine and wrecked him. He's got robo ass. <laughs> yeah, you got droid parts. <laughs> yeah. Droid farts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Droid farts. <laughs> my, my robot spine uh, uh, pushes the poop right out of me. Oh, God. Gonna push that right out of his ass. So Boba, like the Wolverine, is shitting. (laughs) Boba goes back to camp, and he is horrified when he sees charred remains. The tents are burned, the banthas are killed, and the Tuscan Raiders are all killed as well. It's a it's actually kind of a fucking sad scene when I saw this. Like, I was kind of like, no, <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I was hoping we'd see these Tuscans roll back up at a later date being badasses, but I guess not. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, mm. it, it it totally makes sense. You know, he, you know, he has another tragic loss and, you know, he, he obviously lost his father. And in this, he loses the people who accepted him, uh, who, you know, basically accepted him as one of their own and taught him their ways and kind of, you know, it's kind of a fucking big deal. And so now they're all fucking dead and he's the last, I guess, or seemingly the last one. I don't know if any of them were able to escape. Um, I guess is no, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of saddest part of this. 
Bummer. I think man. the saddest part of this is when he set the fire to burn the bodies. It wasn't until he did the gaffy stick throw on the fire situation that ended with the kids gaffy stick. I was like, fuck. Yeah, there was, a, and there's also a lot of once again Star Wars being so cyclical. There's also a lot of parallels, and we've actually seen a lot of parallels to Boba's journey um, with the Jedi, or or you know, with, with making his own gaffy stick. And in this case, a lot of what he does mirrors what Luke did. You know, when you know, with when he found, uh, or when he when he turned uh, his father. And, you know, he burned the body and there's just a lot of things like that that are kind of parallel to that. And once again, you know, Star Wars being cyclical. They just like to, they just like to burn motherfuckers in Star Wars. They burnt fucking Vader. They burnt Qui-Gon. They burnt Owen and Beru. Now they're burning fucking, they just like burning people. <laughs> yes, they well, do. Well, there's a cool uh, bonus scene that Tarantino actually directed uh, that you don't get to see. Where they're uh, the biker gang saying they don't want to attack the, the uh, Tuscans and it's not a good thing to do. Um, and the pikes say, Listen, do you want to be an Anakin or an Anakin? God. Yeah, no. is, that be- <laughs> is that before or after they all took their shoes off and showed their feet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They no, burn they their have feet. No <laughs> yeah, they, hey, he has them walk across like hot coals, like and does close-ups on them. Hot coals. Hot coals. What are yeah. hot coals like? That's what keeps hot warm. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and take this bong rip for our fallen Tuscans. So let me do this now. Yeah. Nice big one because there's a lot of them that fucking died. <laughs> I'm gonna take one right here for everybody, and then I'm gonna take another one for the Tuscan warrior because she was a badass. Yeah, she was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. <laughs> Hang on. Oh, Cold, dry air here. Give me a break. And if anyone's listening, if if you're new to the show, uh, whenever someone perishes on, in in a Star Wars show, Rocky's o- always takes a big bong hit for him. It's kind of like, was the one that nearly killed me. Kind of <laughs> like was it Maul? I thought it was one where like a fuck ton of clones died. Oh, that might have been it. Yeah, I forget. There was one with that that literally did almost kill Rocky. <laughs> yes. Anyway, here's to you, Tuscans, man. I've really dug the fact that both in Mando and in this, they have shed more light and drawn the Tuscans in a new way. Yeah. <coughs> Don't die. That's not me. That's that's Birdo. Birdo's coughing, too. Don't die, Birdo. Did you get Please. some of that? <laughs> yeah, you must. I wish I was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, contact us. I don't like the Tuscans. It's too woke. I like it when they were just savage killers. <laughs> what? Is is that is that a quote from someone online? Uh probably. Not specifically. Uh, probably. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. No. You, they, um, you can give people the benefit of the doubt. Like No, never Mars. Everybody's a piece of shit except him if you didn't get that memo. No. Uh, Star Wars fans are cowardly and superstitious. <laughs> so this is the quickest flashback that we get so far in all three episodes. And in this one, once he burns the bodies and he, debar- he departs walking the Bantha away and... 
then we kind of fade into white, Man. fade into white, and then uh, Boba is awoken um, suddenly um, as his back to tank is emptied and the door opens, and all of a sudden, hands around his throat. What is going on here? That's kinky. Black is back, baby. That's pretty fucking good, Rock. I got to tell you, those lyrics were pretty tight. <laughs> okay, the lyrics were there, but my voice would not fucking go there at all today, dude. At all. Uh, I almost, I almost died. It just security sucks in that fact. Like I, huh? I literally, yeah. I literally. Security passed sucks. Out. That's a fact. I, I, hey, oh hey. my god, Rocky! I almost passed out. Uh, yeah, that's fucking oh, good, my man. Goodness. Oh. Yeah, the lyrics came. The throat didn't get didn't get there, but fuck it, it was still a nice shot. Oh, my whole body hurts worse now. Oh, oh, I almost dropped my iPad. Oh, I I I'd, I'd snap my fingers for you, but it it hurts to move. Bravo, that like now you you, you last. I said your last one was the best. Uh, but this you've, you've topped it. <laughs> I'm glad that you. I'm glad you appreciated that line in particular, the security line, because that made me giggle when I wrote it. <laughs> oh shit! It was uh, really fucking good. <laughs> uh, I literally almost passed out. <laughs> well, hey, there's a win for me today. I can go home happy. You're already home. Yeah, getting no. I was just. Getting no sleep uh, actually paid off. You made you made you made at least us happy. I don't know if you made the listeners happy, oh. but <laughs> I was just really sad because some days I can do a really good fake fucking ACDC impression and it just wasn't happening today. My throat was just like, nope, 
Fuck no. I used to be able to do both of them, but I post surgery, I I can't do Brian Johnson stuff at all. Yeah, I was about to say I can still do Bon Scott pretty well from time to time, I, but Brian bon Johnson. Scott with no. you. Um, yeah, the Velvet Hoys used to play a lot of uh, ACDC songs from either side of the, either side of the front man, and I'm a big fan. That was amazing. It's so good. <laughs> Hey, was, at the end of the day, I just hope you guys like the lyrics. The lyrics oh, came yeah. really fast. It was on my second view of it. It was, was almost like, uh, better that you maybe weren't having a more spot on impersonation because you could really understand the lyric. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, glad you enjoyed it. I thought it was funny as fuck. Whenever. So oh, nice boy. setup too. I mean, I knew a song was coming, but I didn't know. <laughs> <You do> so. <laughs> so choreographed. Oh shit! So, I gotta say, you actually, you actually did your fucking job tonight, man. Give yourself a cookie. I will after we finish. I'm gonna get a cookie. I suggest that you get one with a good indic. <laughs> I'm gonna try to. Have a, I'm gonna try to have a brownie. I got these. Uh, speaking of cookies, I got these new um, Oreos. I just saw for the first time. They're like, uh, they say like. I don't know, like deluxe chocolate or something like that, but they're they're it's actually like like a German chocolate cake. Um, that's Ooh. like kind of the flavor of them. They're really fucking good. Mm. I've been I've been allowing myself uh, two 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 sugary treats a day right now. So one of them's going to be a delicious brownie. Does that include soda? Well, I don't have. I only have. Uh, I haven't been drinking. Uh, no, Doctor uh, Pepper. No Dr. Zeppelin? No. <laughs> except I, I have except at the store. Um, but I've been only drinking diet. But um uh, the um I, and one of the sugary things is my don't fucking murder everybody I see morning coffee. So um <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna have a delicious brownie. Alright, well let's talk about what happens because yes, um Black is back. We have Black Chrysanthemum. He is back. And uh, Boba is pulled from his dream, literally pulled out of his dream by Black Chrysanthemum, who is attempting to kill him. And he just fucking tosses him around like a ragdoll, and it's awesome. Yeah. I would say it was a pretty good attempt. He he had that motherfucker a couple of times. In his undies, Um, too. In his undies. Yeah, Boba 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 Fanny pack there. <laughs> Fanny Fanny Shan's pack of fucking yeah. get your ass whooped. We got to see his Boba Dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very sturdy man. You got to give him that, dude. Because even when he was wrestling with the Wookie, like it it looked physical. Like I was very happy with how they dealt with you know getting your shit tossed about by a fucking Wookie. That's that's um some of my favorite fight choreography tropes to the, the, you know, the big guy versus the small guy, even in like wrestling matches, there's one, uh, yeah. a good one tonight. Got a uh, fucking bear hug in this, like literally like a uh, fucking uh, Wookiee bear hug. And, and a fucking spear. That's why I like was pretty positive <laughs> that, uh, it was JJ Perry, but it's another JJ. I think JJ, some other last name. Dino be the fight choreographer, but they share a lot of common themes because, uh, you know, if you watch the Undisputed films, fight choreographer JJ Perry is kind of renowned for putting in like pro wrestling and lucha stuff. Um, as is like uh, 
is um you know one of his proteges uh heidi moneymaker who's uh scarlett johansson's um uh stunt double stunt double you know you see her hitting like cazadoras and stuff like that in the middle of like fights all the time and all these other lucha stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the other thing I liked it for for being that type of fight you're talking about, where it's like the big guy versus the little guy, whether it's the Raiders of the Lost Ark moment on the airplane or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The reason resiliency of the big guy is displayed well. It also adds that intensity, and the fact that at one point this dude had a knife in his gut, had a fucking gaffy stick jammed in his fucking spine, and fuckers shooting at him and fucking wrapping him up with fucking electro fucking whips this motherfucker still looked dangerous it was like the motherfucker's bleeding out and right. now i'm scared of the motherfucker yeah it's like he's on wookie meth right <laughs> yeah uh by the way rocky i i would be remiss if i didn't uh mention this because i seldom get a chance to talk about uh one of my favorite stunt guys and fight guys of all time that guy you were talking about in the plane of raiders of the lost ark was so yeah, yeah. beloved by spielberg and ford he played every big guy that Indy fought throughout that first trilogy. Um, it's British uh, stuntman and pro wrestler Pat the Bomber Roach. And um, uh, he not only played the handlebar mustachioed um, Nazi, oh, the Nazi at the yeah, airplane, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he also played the, the big serpa in uh, uh, Doom. In, no, well, yes, he played him too, but in. Um, uh, 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 I'm I'm forgetting her name. Uh, uh, it seems to be a trend. I, I'm I'm glad it's contagious. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I keep wanting to say Meredith, but uh, uh, um, uh, in in the bar in the Marion Marion. Um, oh, Marion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played the the serpo who gets lit on fire and is swinging his stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was so he played nice. two parts in that. Um, and I don't remember who he was in the other, in the third one, but he was the, um, stunt man that, um, Indy fought on the, uh, tracks in, uh, in Temple of Doom as well. In, in Last Crusade, wasn't there another big guy that fucking, when he got on top of the, when he got on top of the tank after the whole canyon scene and he goes to go in, wasn't the pilot of the tank a rather big guy? Could be. I've, I've watched. I've watched that one the least, actually. Uh, really, that's my and favorite. I, and I, I love it. I just, you know, yeah, Last just, Crusade is my favorite. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Usually, oh, I, I love it. It's, it's definitely my second favorite. But for whatever reason, uh, you know, I get, I drink, I get brought into Temple of Doom a lot. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, that's uh, that that was a great fight. Uh, and one thing, what were those things that the mod? motorcycle gang all held up at the same time it looked like they brought their rave glow sticks <laughs> um they like all, they were the techno council yeah they all they all had pretty interesting weapons um there was like a uh like a mace um stu- well I don't, not not necessarily a mace but it was like a chain um, yeah the electric yeah i think it's called electro whip because it's electro. actually in the old republic I oh, okay but uh the one thing i loved is uh Black Chrysanthemum's fucking knucklers. Like, yeah. I don't the know. Electro the electro knuckler. I wanted to call it vibro yeah. knuckler. Yeah. I wanted to call it vibro knuckler, but Berto's corrected me a couple of times now. But yeah, the electro knuckler, dude. That fucking, when he reared back and popped it off and it fucking yeah. saw it spark 
for a fucking clocked fucking fat. I was like, dude. Yeah. Like first, first of all, a Wookiee with a fucking brass knuckles is fucking overkill, don't you think? <laughs> Probably, um, but I don't think Black Chrysanthemum gives a fuck. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a pretty short little fight. I mean, you know, it. it he he wreaks some havoc. He tosses Bova. Bova's getting his ass fucking handed to him in this, like in this show so far, in like. I think, did he, yeah, I think in pretty much every episode. I mean, I guess last episode he didn't really get his ass kicked, but. Um, he did that with Mando in the beginning too, which kind of drove us all crazy, where it's like he's supposed to be the badass. Why is he getting his ass kicked? However, with Boba, it makes sense. He's still trying to heal from the Sarlacc thing, so he's not. I mean, and he didn't have his armor. And I mean, Bo- Boba's always been a chump. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way he's portrayed in the movies, yeah, I mean, yeah. So hard to argue with that, I guess. Now I will say we were just talking about, you know, the spine grab and stuff like that, but this is why it had to go in the song. My other favorite part is when he turned around after he beat the mod gang and got out of the fucking thing and he saw the two Gamorians coming up the stairs, that motherfucker didn't even blink. He was like, Yeah, this is gonna be a problem. Just tackled oh, yeah. those motherfuckers That's, down the stairs. Was dude. that is that the spear you're referring to, Mars? When he, yeah, t- yeah. he took down the Gamorians, yeah. I was, that I was, was doing it. I was doing the Shivani. that was fucking great i loved that as being a thing i just the you've never really seen that in a star wars flick something physical like that like we've been seeing a lot more physicality with these live action shows with mando which mars brought up when we first started watching that it was physical but seeing an action sequence like that in a star wars movie where it's just like a full-out physical tackle tumble down a hillside or fucking downstairs and shit like that they're definitely raising the game nobody's going to be able to say that you know you don't necessarily want even though i disagreed with wolfie's assessment of this from the beginning um you know that you don't really watch star wars for the uh for the fights. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're like, Changing. I, I think they're jettisoning that argument. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was, that was, that was my favorite. I did like the fucking back breaking right before she walked up and stabbed him and shit as well. But the, the tackle was just, I, I really kind of almost came up off the couch for the, Oh, real fast. Yeah. when it happened. And those Gamorians keep getting treated like assholes. And I love it. Yeah. I do. <laughs> And but it also shows Drash, um, you know the the leader of the Vespa gang, the, the Vespa bike gang. Um, she she didn't back down from Black Crescent. She came right right up behind him and fucking oh yeah, sh- you know shivved him right in the fucking back. So well, the crew didn't either. The whole crew jumped into fucking charge right away. So it was yeah. already them giving a little bit of loyalty to the boss an assassin rolls up in the middle of the night on your first day at work yeah. you could say oh you know what fuck it this wasn't for me but right you know <laughs> yeah if i saw him i'd be like yeah i'm out of here <laughs> i'll get another job <laughs> this ain't worth a fucking cup of water motherfucker i'm out i know right <laughs> um but i and i love that scene when they're all kind of like looking at black chrysanthemum after he gets um you know after fennec shan pulls the lever to go and down to the rancor pit and he's holding on and you know, Fennec takes out away from it. Go ahead, you're going where I was going. Yeah, it takes out the knife out of the um, 
I love that. The stock of her of her gun and just fucking throws it right at his hand. It's awesome. I'm a big I'm a big mark for weapons that have more weapons inside or that become other <laughs> weapons like even yeah. solo when fucking when uh when uh Woody Harrelson was assembling the fucking blaster out of all the different blaster parts that he was just changing around. Yep. I, I get I get off on that shit. I don't know why. So when Finnick pulled that little knife out, I was like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> I love after all this, Boba's like there in his fucking robe. <laughs> like, just hanging out in his and, robe. And I like the fact that he's still compassionate because the one Gamorian was yeah. all fucked up and he tells him, put him in my back to tank. Yeah, yeah, immediately. So, um, you know, not only does he roll with respect, but he, he takes care of his people, you know? Well, yeah. Well, his his new people just took care of him. So True. fucking yep. you know, reciprocate. Yeah. And then he just leaves Black Chrysanthemum down in, in the Rancor pit with, you know, with no Rancor right now anyways. And then uh, there's that scene with the fucking feast where Boba and Fennec are sitting at that huge ass table. And this is... Mars, like, is this where you got erect? <laughs> I, I do, I do. You, you do uh, like do fried, fried Nuna? Populace. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought the implication was that they were eating uh, Wookie, so I'm glad that that it's the noon of Fenton Court. Oh my god! <laughs> Only I get that joke, but it made no, me laugh. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I groaned inside. I wish I, but yeah, that's that's the name of the place at the fucking Mos Espa Mall where you can get that same fucking spread. I, I, I get it now i feel like i need like a vaccine or a salve or something <laughs> a tincture a back to tank. yeah mars needs a tincture and a back to, a back to tank did any of these dishes on this table make you fucking physically hungry and or horny mars <laughs> well those are those it's hard to like differentiate those <laughs> two things for me you can't tell the difference I, I know the one thing he didn't like was the salad that the droid was bringing to the table and fucking fast. Like, yeah, no more food. He didn't I like love salad. I eat salad three times a week. How often do you toss salad? <laughs> Jesus uh, not, I, I only hold hands, so. Jesus fucking Christ. I, I was going to say, I think Alberto is like, I think he's shook his head more tonight than any other episode in recent memory. Anyways. I, I got it. Yeah, I've, I've hit, he said I've hit bottom. the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. No, I've just hit the. I've almost hit the power button on my computer like ten times. <laughs> Oops! Oops! Sorry, the, lost the internet, guys. The fact that it's in the flow of actual Star Wars conversation is probably what's kept him from. Uh, That's unique. From doing it, yeah. yeah. All right. So after the feast, um, we get word. Eighty-eight brings word that uh, the twins are here. So. Yeah. The twins just fucking show up right outside. Um, they send an assassin the night before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they show up and um, they and uh, they come with a gift. So turns out, um, they were kind of. Uh, they said we we're both lied to, uh, talking to Boba, and you know, basically say. Um, we were told we had a claim to this and um, you know, and you think you have a claim to this, but none of us do. Um, so Bova says, you know, clear off Tatooine and I'll consider a truce. And uh, 
you know, they're like, yeah, we're going to do that, but for different reasons. Um, and they say that you basically tell him that there's another syndicate that, um, has laid claim to Tatooine, um, or promised they didn't lay claim. It's been promised to them. So that's, um, you know, and they, and they say that it's, uh, Mayor Mokshais who has promised it. Um, and the huts are going back to Hatta and, uh, they're like, yeah, we don't want war. It's bad for business. <laughs> so, which is, which you can find out later is kind of bullshit. Cause fucking, they would totally make out money if two factions went to war. Well, I think they're implying that if they went to war, they wouldn't be making any money. Right. Yeah. Uh, And they say Tatooine is a worthless rock. <laughs> and uh, they tell Boba to sell the Wookiee back to the gladiators. So that is uh, kind of, I, I haven't read the comics, but that is a, a nod to the comics where that's where, yeah, uh, you know, his origin comes from, I think. And Boba says, release him. And he releases Black Kersantan and... Once again, I think this is going to be one of those things. Bova says no hard feelings, just business. And I feel like this is one of those things where um, I think we're going to see Black Chrysanthemum again. Yeah, in a different light because uh, you know, Wookiees have a loyalty factor. Yeah, so. my my only complaint was that he fucking ran. He like, oh my I know, God. he ran. Yeah, he like, ran it. away. Yeah. Like, he's like, we'll see you later. Yeah. But hey. again, we were talking about... We were talking about this actor fucking having those great eyes, Esther Santin. Even that look he gives him as, as soon as says, as soon as Boba says release him, he fucking immediately looks his head over like the fuck, and then he still stares at him for a bit. Like, are you serious or are you about? To I, shoot just, me in the back? I just pictured him like doing the curly as he ran, like ah ah ah. We hear the Benny Hill uh, music playing backwards again. <laughs> <laughs> Yakety jizz. Jesus. <laughs> All Which, right. by the way, I believe was uh, supposed to be my intestines or something. <laughs> Yakety jizz? Benny, Benny Hill song backwards. Oh, oh my I, God. I don't remember. <laughs> His ass is going from blow to suck. <laughs> All right. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for, the 800 the or the eight, in this case, maybe 8,000 pound rancor in the room. Yeah. So <laughs> we get, uh, as we mentioned, Danny Trejo, and he is a fucking rancor handler. And uh, he brings, um, as a gift from the huts, um, he he is uh, gifting a, a rancor to Boba. And there's a lot to unpack here, and we're probably not going to be able to, to do it all. But they talk about how he talks about how rancors are emotionally complex creatures, and they're not just gladiators. They actually bond with their human. Although I do question, he says he says when they first see their human, what if it was like a Twi'lek or like a Rodian? Do they? I mean, I imagine it would be the same thing. I mean, I don't think they're speciesists <laughs> like only care about humans. Hey, like you. It might it might be a like that might be like a a common like a like a common tongue idiom. Yeah, and you're like, you're probably well, right. Yeah, but 
I just think they should have used their master or something of that sort to, you know, yeah. to, to say, but yeah, I'm fine with it, whatever. Yeah. But it was, I, I fucking, like, or, I really. Or maybe like you, the Rancors don't like anything other than humans. Maybe they don't like Twi'leks and they don't like Rodians. They maybe. don't like, they're maybe. fucking just like your email. Jesus. Uh, I, I gotta say, I, I fucking love this scene. And I could see some people saying that this was kind of silly or something like that, but I don't know. Like there is just something so sort of like adorable about this and and it makes you, let me just say one more thing. It makes you think differently about, um, Luke killing the fucking Rancor, you know, and, and it also drives home the Rancor handle of crime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And this also, this also is, um, yeah, I'm a huge Trejo fan. Do not get me wrong, but I feel the fact that they gave him, uh, you know, deep intellectual, almost kind of philosophical dialogue in relation to something as simple as a fucking creature handle. Like he delivered some really cool Star Wars fucking canon dialogue. Like Trejo yeah. really fucking. I mean, I'm sure he was like, he get. I got a chance to be in Star Wars fucking bring you a game son but i really i love trejo anyway but i felt like he was really good as this character as what he needed to be i felt like he delivered the top-notch trejo experience in this yeah and you know and not for nothing but danny trejo in a lot of um a lot of his roles kind of plays to stereotype you know um he's good at it don't get me wrong but you know like He's typically uh, very typecast, you know, but in this, I think he does play a more sort of um, fleshed out sort of like intellectual character. And, you know, I, I, you know, he still was Danny, Danny Trejo, um, but still, you know, I, I, I like this role and I thought it was pretty cool. And he does, I mean, it's a creature handler, which is once again, like another sort of like aspect of Star Wars lore. Um, that yep. is not if you played SWG, it was a fucking big part of your life. Yeah. And one that doesn't get a lot of light, sh- uh, shown on it. So I thought this, that this was really kind of adorable and kind of sweet. And this is almost like, I mean, this Rancor was, a, a is, is a calf. So I feel like this is almost like this, this, uh, series is, uh, baby Yoda, you know? Probably it's going to be neat to see the evolution of this side plot and see how it goes. Um, I think it's great that this means we'll see Danny a few more times. Obviously, he might even stick around for he's, the full run of what this does. Yeah, he's he's he seems like he'd now be part of of um, you know Boba's sort of like um, I don't know family. I guess well, for lack of a better term. Well, here's the thing, too, is Danny has always said that anytime he plays a really shitty character, the one stipulation he has to it is make sure you die, because I want the message to be if you're yeah, a shitty yeah. person, it ends well for you. So my hope is, you know, within the Star Wars canon for, for this actor, that he's going to play kind of a character that endears us to us all, you know, that he's going to be, like Mar said, the original creature handler who handled the Rancor and Jedi, you know, we're going to see sort of that sort of angle of Jabba's regime in play 
as it evolves. So we're going to actually see what this dude's all about through the direction of how he teaches Boba. And then at the end of the day, because Boba said that he wanted to learn more about how the night sisters ride them. It's like, yeah, yeah. at some point, at some point in the show, we're going to see Boba rolling a town on the oh, back yeah. of a rancor. For sure. Fucking bitches up, dude. And if you want, if you want to instill fear, you know, and lead with respect, like literally there's no fucking better way to do it like when you need to get respect from every motherfucker <laughs> in town ride a motherfucking rancor motherfucker he doesn't need a fucking litter he needs a fucking rancor <laughs> there you go i'm gonna one up the huts motherfucker one up the hut <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why they made me chuckle so much that's that's a new section on fucking gay babe. You can come see Mars. <laughs> One up the hut. <laughs> <laughs> As he puts random things in his butt. What? <laughs> is, it, is there like a... Sh- the- <laughs> 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 What's that- wrong with you? You got one up the hut? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, God. So... Yeah, I, I I really fucking love this scene so much. And then, um, you know, like even like once again, they fucking nail it with the emotion. Like when they take the blinders off the Rancor and you see it open its eye uh, or eyes. We see focus on one of them and you can see it slowly open and sort of adjusts the light because it, you know, had the blinders on. And, you know, like you can tell it, it looks like it bonded with Boba right then. You know, it's just such a... I don't know, just such a cool scene. I know, you know, we joke a lot about Rancors on this on this show, like uh, about much their- like the dinner table, Mars. How horny did you get at this point? <laughs> he, he's probably muting. He's cranking one out. Yeah, yeah he's, he's cranking, cranking one out. One out. <laughs> <laughs> fucking ranking my delicious brownie. <laughs> Nothing I need more right now than the fucking anus of some Rancor children. But, oh, man, I love this fucking Rancor. <laughs> and, you know, it, it is kind of a running joke with us that uh, Rancors are um, our, our, our favorite creature on Force Insensitive. Um, yep. But this was, this for me was a, was, a, was a treat to see this. I really, really love this. And, uh, you know, I think that... Well, all the parts were great. Tomorrow Morrison, the way he played it against the, you know, because even they even showed it earlier in the episode when he rides the Bantha in the town. He didn't just get off and walk. He took a moment and fucking petted the fucking Bantha and said, good boy, and walked off. So this sort of played into that. Even before he took the blinders off, he still walked up and found his, as we call it in our house, the noonie spot where you get behind the dog's ear and fucking they just fall limp and the back leg gets going. You know, he was even telling Treo's character, he was like, I think he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to find somebody to uh, make a parody of the famous pulp um, album cover for me and just have it say Boba. This is Rancor. <laughs> yes, that would be amazing. <laughs> Instead of uh, this is hardcore, this is Hard- rancor. Yep. Yeah, with you, I'm just drinking a big thing of water, so I didn't want to like fucking burp and shit. No, look at you and your water. Yeah, yeah man, like water with nothing in it. That's like water no, for. That's called. Like water for Banthapudu. 
it's like drinking like just eating coffee beans. I did steal it from a moisture farmer up the block. Oh, that's good. Then. <laughs> Uh, one thing I liked about that Rancor conversation was he had said that he's rid he's ridden creatures ten times its size. Now, did you guys That's a throwback get that reference? Animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. it's um, it was originally I think uh, an early concept of a mythosaur, but I don't think it's actually a mythosaur. I don't think it's a mythosaur there, but also his signet on his armor is a mythosaur. So I wonder if him or Daddy. Yeah. Uh, maybe his clan. I don't know. It is a clan emblem, so maybe Jaster Muriel or somebody did it. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, that was a nice little little throwback to, to that as well. And is there anything else you guys want to bring about the Rancor scene? I just, I just thought it was really fucking awesome. Yeah. If you don't like this, you don't have a fucking hot. So. <laughs> Luke's a fucking heel now, man. Jeez. He always was a heel. All the fucking Skywalkers are whiny bitches. <laughs> Except Leia. Except Leia. Right. Leia's the only one that fucking got her shit together. Leia's the Charles Bronson of Star Wars anyway. She's the fucking most kick-ass. <laughs> I would go to the Tossie Station because of power converters. Uh, so now we have the Vespa gang uh, rolling in behind uh, Boba and... Uh, and Fennec as they go to the mayor's office once again. Oh, you forgot real quick as he's leaving with AD8 when AD8's like Fennec uh, says we can't meet the mayor for like 20 days. He's like, yeah, well, I'm not asking. Yeah. <laughs> fucking go. Yeah, we're going now. <laughs> um, and we, we, I do want to wrap up. We're going fucking late again. We're probably going to skip the news, but um, <laughs> we don't have any voice messages, but um. This ends uh, basically with uh, a chase through the streets of Mos Espa because um, the Major Domo, we still don't have a name for this character. He's just Mok Shai's Major Domo. And he basically books it. (laughs) And uh, I love the threat that uh, Fennec gives him. And uh, then he just fucking, you know, he's like, oh, let me go talk to the mayor. And then he locks the door and fucking takes off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like Boba. Boba's just like, did he just lock the door? Yeah, <laughs> fucking yeah. <laughs> and I love that uh, Fennec just opens it so fucking easily with that with the knife. Um, but yeah, so now we get a um chase through the streets of Mos Espa, and a very lackluster chase, I might add. This is this is where I'm going to bitch and complain. I hope it's the same place Mars is too. Yeah, I agree. It it, it just looked like I I, I don't know. There were some really bad. bad. Look too CGI. Like it didn't, it didn't look any. To it. I think this is this is one of the. There were parts that were terrible. I think this is one of the negatives of potentially working in the volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really bad. Like I will even say the one that made me just cringe when I looked at it. All three times I watched this episode, this made me. But even the first time when it happened, made me go. Ugh was when they knocked the fucking water thing down. I, I love the fact that the chase had every chase trope knocking Liter- over. Vegetables. Literally every fucking trope. Going, going through the painting. Through the job this, yeah. yeah. But this, what pissed me off is when they knocked the water down, that one little skid, the dude on the red, it looked so bad. It was so fucking terrible. That shot of CGI is the worst CGI I've seen since the fucking Matrix. 
Well, I mean, it's a small detail, probably, but that one guy goes up the house, and and nothing really moves. It's like he go, he gets like slammed up the side of a house and manages to like not fucking eat shit while he's doing it. But like, yeah, there was just some bad CGI. However, gravity too. However, good parts of the chase that I did enjoy was I liked when the two guys flanked the speeder and the one dude started fucking kicking it, power like, jack, yeah, with his fucking robotic foot, and the other dude had the fucking laser cutter in the in his wrist. Yeah, I liked all that. It, it was all the stuff in close was good. It's just I just felt like I don't know, like. And it didn't seem like it was moving fast. It seemed like a very slow chase. Like it did, you know, there was something about it that lended no credence to speed. Except for, it was funny as I was telling my wife, I was like, what's funny is that speeder was not going fast until it spun out at the end. And then it was going fast. Well, like, and, yeah, it, it just didn't seem, I don't know. Like, I understand that like, you know, these aren't real vehicles or whatever else, but I mean, that, it, when you've seen this in so many other times, like like the the, the, just, the best just, version of it is in the film Wolf Warrior Two. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> when they're going to South Africa, like, but like, but you uh, literally last week just gave us a fucking better chain train heist than they had in Solo, which was fucking awesome. So it's you like, know, I thought about that a lot, The Rock. Like, I think what works with that train heist is that can almost be like a static image that they add like the animation of movement to it. Going you know, across yeah. You know, as opposed to having to like render, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, all this different stuff and make it work. Like it was yeah. just like a lot of stuff. I mean, it's not a show killer, but I expect with Rodriguez directing Favreau floating, Favreau producing a fucking Disney money. There should not be shots like this. Well, I'll be honest, this looked like a Rodriguez thing. That was kind of my problem. Like, this looked like Sharkboy and Lavica. Well, the thing the thing for me, and I think you guys kind of hit on this a little bit, is that it just seemed, it seemed like they were, they could have been on bicycles. Like, it was moving so slow. Like, Star oh, Wars, Star Wars does action. Like, like think of the um, Endor, like the speeder bike chase. Like, how fucking cool is right. that? Or even the pod race. Like, they make it look like really good and I get it. They're going through the streets, so I don't expect to see them fucking flying, but it felt they like did a, they did a, they did a street run in solo that yeah. was better than this. Yeah, I agree. Chasing solo but was action. This felt like if it was like the fucking Flintstones in a, ch- in a car chase using their feet instead of like, you know, <laughs> you know, fucking engines. Um, that's what it felt like. It, it just was like moving real still slow. run around with all feet. What's up? That's Courtney, the Beastie Boys. Oh, well. Um, Badly. I don't really care about the Beastie Boys. What did you guys what? think of their Vespas? Because um, we haven't really touched on that. Do you, did you like the design? Uh, yes, I did. I think because I had, you know, the thing with Star Wars and especially the vehicles that has always been relegated is and they've been doing it a lot lately and the stuff was, you know, obviously because of of American Graffiti, we all know that Lucas is a huge motorhead, right? He loves fucking cars and motorcycles and shit like that. So they've always give like, take for instance, the speeder and solo. And I think that this one they had in this one that the Twilight was the major Domo was driving. They look like classic 
cars from our world just speederized and i dig that and i feel like the fact that i can recognize oh that speeder the twi'lek was driving kind of looks like an old fucking cadillac and fucking from the grill and then you look at the so speeders and i immediately thought vespa like it 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 did what it needed to do i think that was actually the intention to make it look like that to build the whole mod feel to this little gang right so I dug it for that because you immediately – it looks like something that belongs in Star Wars, but it also looks exactly like what they designed it after. So the design team kicked ass in this respect. I may be misremembering, but that speeder's grill looks like the grill that's built into the uh, graphic design for the American Graffiti poster. Mm. Mm, I, I didn't be. really notice that. Oh, I, I, may, I probably wouldn't have noticed, I should say. But – um. It did look like, I mean, the speeder um, that the Major Domo was driving looked like, a, you know, like the, was it the X-38? It looked like a sort of a variation of that, um, similar to the one that, um, that uh, in Solo, um, the, the chase that they did there. Um, yeah. You know, and one thing we haven't brought up is this was essentially like almost shot for shot the chase from uh, Back to the Future. Was it uh, Back to the Future one or two? I'm trying to remember now. It's one where um, it, where, it, re- it rehappened twice. Where Biff, back where Biff uh, crashes into the manure. Like we get yeah. that, but in this, it's the Major Domo uh, crashing into the Mela runes, um, the Mela rune uh, melons that were referenced yeah. in um, Rebels on Lothal that they had. So. You know, there's a lot of like similarities here, and and yeah, you guys hit on it. They they basically hit every single fucking trope that they possibly could for this, including the going up the stairs and jumping. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it was very much a uh, Roger Moore era James Bond. Yeah, kind of chase. Although, which is great. Yeah. You know, I, I could see this working with people. I could see this not working for people. For us, it seems like it didn't really work. Uh, Alberta, if it was shot better, I would have liked it more. How about you, Alberto? What did you think of the chase? Uh, it was fine. I mean, I I get the uh, the complaints that it didn't feel fast, but at the same time, they're they're in a small city. Um, because that that was part of my issue with the train heist last week was like you. St- like they were speeding through the desert at a thousand miles an hour, and then like four seconds after they crashed the train, the Tuscans on foot are just like right next to it. I'm like, yeah, eh, that was a bit maybe s- halfway across the planet at this point. <laughs> yeah, I do agree. Uh, that was a little silly. Fair enough. So, well, there was uh, an you, edit, so you don't know how long it took to unload those yeah. bikes and stuff. Okay, it was a bad edit then. Um, <laughs> like, at least make it like uh, sundown or something. You know, give it the illusion that it wasn't two seconds later. But yeah, yeah I. Yeah, the I think the big issue was the the bikes just didn't have any sort of um like speed to them. They yeah. it it felt like they were stationary and the background was moving. You know, yeah. and that's that's obviously how they did it, but like it shouldn't it shouldn't feel like that. It shouldn't feel like the uh like an episode of Seinfeld where they're sitting in the car and clearly clearly <laughs> it's a CGI uh backdrop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also felt it, it went a little bit too long. Like they, it could have been half, you know, half that length. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Cause like, I, I, there was no stakes. Like you knew, you knew the, uh, 
what's his face the um the Major, mayor's guy wasn't Major gonna Domo, like yeah. yeah he he wasn't gonna like kill any of them it was just like comic relief at that point yeah I mean, I love a good chase, and, and Alberto is right to the extent of, yes, it is in a small, compact city street, but you can make it feel fast. It's also science fiction vehicles that can stop on a dime and fucking shit like that. Like, we've seen speeders come flying up at Mach 2 and then suddenly go, we're, we're here, you know? So, I don't know. I just feel like that could have been shot better, maybe orchestrated better, and I would have enjoyed it more. I, but I did love the concept, the idea, and the fact that it sucked in every trope of chases was good. Yeah. Really oh, you did. mean a speeder that can stop on a calamari flan? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it stops on a flan. <laughs> I, I, and I definitely agree with Alberto. I, I think that it all just goes back to that. Uh, there was something about it, whether it's the direction or the rendering or the blocking or, you know, again, like, how you know again how alberto said no stakes that uh if i was a little more engaged i probably wouldn't have dissected it the whole time and probably would have just enjoyed it yeah i think we're all sort of in agreement like it, it could have been a little bit better um it wasn't the worst but it just was a little let down after last week that's kind of what i was getting at earlier i think the action and that chase um and it's a different type but it just you know, I think it pales in comparison when you have such a great uh, action scene in the previous week, and then you do something that looks really slow and a little janky. Right. So, um, all right. Well, yeah, but overall, it was a great story. I think that, like I said, for being episode three, it leaves us at a good point where they can jump off now, as Alberto brought up, into the present day and give us some shit to really sink our teeth into. So, yeah. At the end, so after the chase, um, the Majordomo tells uh, tells them all. Oh, and actually, uh, before he tells Boba, who he's working with, Boba uses the jetpack. We see him uh, land uh, right where they caught the Majordomo, and that's I think the first time we've seen him use it in this in this series. So that was kind of a cool little thing. And then we have um, one of the Vespa gang, uh, Scad is watching um, at the starport and he sees um, a big um, transport land and a bunch of pikes are getting off of it. And apparently they're coming in sort of waves so that, you know, they're not, not noticed that they're kind of like taking over. And so with, with that, the one thing for me that, that feels like it fell a little flat with that is it seemed like they played it up as a big reveal. I, I, I know we got, like, the, the twins mentioned the Pikes, um, you know, and then we also got um, the Major Domo uh, mentioned that Mok Shais was work, working with the Pikes, but that reveal feels like it should have been, like, a bigger reveal. Like, it, it seemed like there's a lot of gravity given to that, and then it's just, like, a few Pikes walking off the transport, and... The other thing is we've heard so much about the Pikes in this episode. Like, I feel like that fell... It feels like it should have had more weight behind it, and it felt a little flat because, you know, once again, we saw Boba interacting with the Pikes in flashback. So, for me, it just didn't It didn't feel as impactful as, as I feel like they were going for. 
it's not um, necessarily a negative, just something I noticed. I think I I think if there was one more set of flashbacks with the pikes, it would have it would have felt more important. Yeah. Cause uh I, I feel like where they're leading to is um Boba's gonna find out that the pikes were the ones that killed all the, the Tuscans, not not that biker gang. Oh yeah, yeah, you could be right. Yeah, that's interesting. And uh, that gives them more motivation to to go after him. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good angle. Because because uh, my my thinking is if he had like a a, a quote unquote like appointment to go see the the leader of the Pikes, it's kind of mm-hmm. convenient that when he was gone, they they all got slaughtered. So right. that is true. That's a good point. Um, be fair, the Pikes are more likely to side with a fucking gang of miscreants who will help them do some fucking work versus a bunch of tribal people who want to stay away from the outside. They just want their fucking money. So Tuscans are less useful. Well, it's like Gangster 101, and I agree with Alberto 100%. Like, if it, they're going to end up having to pay either Boba Fett or um, that biker gang. And in a perfect world, they kill each other and they don't have to pay anybody. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Now Boba Fett is going to kill that gang. So not only are they like. He's doing the uh, work for them. <laughs> right. Pretty much. Yeah, you're right. So, All of us had good angles tonight, man. See, you guys stick around me and get a fucking contact buzz. You'll be smart, too. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> My son Alberto is the smartest there is. <laughs> yeah, because he's Bump the up. one that doesn't talk as much. <laughs> I have a bumper sticker that says, uh, "My my son Alberto is an honest student." On what car? Uh, <laughs> he put. Your- I put on every car. I just want to <laughs> talk a lot. He's gonna ride you like a baby rancor in five minutes. Jesus. A long time. <laughs> All right, nub nub everybody. Nub nub everybody. That's why you get sick now. So that is uh, the episode. And well, it, uh, does, it does end with the line from the trailer that I've been waiting to hear, which is Finnick Shan saying war, you know, there's going to be war. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely, definitely going to, something's going to happen, whether it's, and I still think that we, all the chess pieces are not quite on the board yet. I think that, um, one thing that they've been showing is there's always a bigger fish. So I think that there's still potentially another, you know, another element to this. We got to meet the other three factions, right? The Klaatuians, the Aqualish, and the Chandoshans are going to get brought in. Hey, Aqualish. <laughs> well, I do think that, um, yeah, I think that Bobo will probably try to unite them now against the Pikes, um, which will probably all be to their benefit to to do so. But, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, three episodes down, four to go. Um, I think they advance the story in the present day, uh, further in this one than they have in any of the others. And we only had a, a very short, maybe five minute flashback in this one. So this one was, was all mostly present day. Um, and they really, they introduced a lot of new characters with the, the Vespa gang and, um, with uh, Danny Trejo's character and, um, you know, Maybe Steve, even Steve Steven Root. Root. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we got an introduction of a lot of characters. We saw some storylines um, potentially have closure. 
um, with the twins leaving Tatooine and also with um, uh, Black Chrysanthemum, you know, potentially working with Boba down the down the road. It seems like there could be something along those lines going on. So we're going to see that Wookiee dismember some pikes before this show's over. I think so. <laughs> but can I say the, the, the winner of this episode is, is fucking Trejo, but a very close second when Carsantin fucking just attacked in the middle of the night. I was like, fuck you, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this, uh, maybe not quite as exciting as episode two, but this was a super solid one. And I am glad that we got a little bit more present day to really advance the story along. But as you can see, the two stories now, the flashback and the modern, the present day are kind of dovetailing into each other, um, as they both involve the pikes. So I think that we'll get some more insight into what's going on there, um, in kind of both timelines. So, all right, well, that is our discussion of uh, Chapter 3, The Streets of Mos Espa. Now, uh, we have, there's a little bit of news. I'm going to do this as quick as I possibly can because it's fucking late. Um, So, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel looks like it's going to be announced before E3 and uh, could potentially get a release. Assuming there is an E3. Well, yeah, I mean, they'll do it online again if, if need be, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> no? <laughs> there's there's rumors that they're going to cancel it outright, finally. Well, they did cancel it outright years ago, and then it came back. So, we'll see. But, um, so there's that. I mean, that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to that because I really liked the first one. Alberto liked it for a day. Yep. <laughs> I, own, I literally own three copies of it, and I still haven't played it. <laughs> Uh, Tamora Morrison has been teasing wow level surprises coming in the Book of Boba finale. Um, don't really know what that is, but he's been teasing something. World of Warcraft? Yeah, yeah, he's going to play World of Warcraft. That's all Boba's trying to do. He just wants to play his fucking games, man. Boba. All right, let's see what else we got here. Um... Just some comic stuff. I'm not going to bring up the comic stuff or the High Republic stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, they they did release some uh, some new character posters um, a couple days after Chapter Two, and uh, they were really cool. Like one had the chief and the warrior from the Tuscan tribe on it. Uh, the another one had black chrysanthemum and then the other one had the twins um they all look really awesome so if you guys are looking for some new wallpaper or something along those lines um what is this here uh okay so this is confirmed that dave filoni co-wrote chapter six of the book of boba fett take that how you will maybe it means that it includes some characters that he is fond of i don't know but looks like he co-wrote episode six how dope would it be if we find out the fucker figureheading the whole trandoshan faction in most espos fucking bosk and he's fucking underground somewhere so amongst this whole thing all of a sudden bosk is like yeah my boys will come help you that would be pretty cool i would dig that um 
I'm not going to look into this article, um, but apparently the headline says the book of Boba Fett scores less audience demand than the Mandalorian in first two weeks. It's not that surprising to me. Um, Mandalorian being the first live action TV show, there was a lot of hype. And I think that a lot of people, I don't know. I just, I think the Obi-Wan show will be huge. I think it'll be the biggest one. I think it'll even be bigger than Mando. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then from there, who knows? Andor probably won't be as big. Um, but, you know, we'll see. But I'm sure the numbers are still good. I don't care. I want happy. all of them. You want all of them. <laughs> um, I want Andor. I'm probably the biggest proponent for that show. I, I really want that show. Uh, also, it looks like there are some rumors that Mando season three had stopped filming due to COVID concerns, but it appears that that is not accurate. Um, so it seems like they're still filming as planned. So I'm sure they have a pretty uh, structured um, you know, way of going about yeah. testing and, and everything. So hopefully uh, they're able to pull that off without any delays. If, if if it's the Mando Civil War, if it's the take back of the throne of Mandalore, everybody's going to be in a helmet anyway. <laughs> that's true. They can wear their masks. Um, that's all I got. You guys uh, see anything this week? No, it's been a slow news week. Yeah, my end anyway. Relatively. Um. So yeah, I think that's it. Uh, we don't. Let me just double check. We didn't get any voice messages. I'm checking the spam folder. Everybody, don't hold hold on to your fucking. Unless, unless you're unless you're anything other than human. <laughs> My species, bitch. Wow. Um, that's it. That is it. We ran. Uh, man, these ups. How long does it take? It takes us like double, triple, quadruple the runtime of a show to talk about it. Well, to be fair, we spent an hour and a half talking about nothing. So, Mars. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, I will say this. That's not true. In the opening dialogue, I want to know right now. In the opening dialogue that you used on the show during the Trejo fucking explain, explanation of the sensitivity of the Rancor. Now, Mars, Birdo, oh, any of no. you guys oh, get. No. A little, a little half chub when oh, he was God. like, "If you're nice to them, they can be very loving." You know? Oh my God, right? Alberto, Alberto! He's, Jesus Christ! He's fucking that rancor, dude. No. That's what riding no. the rancor means. No. Yes, they're about to peg that poor fucking oh, rancor. My God. Oh my yeah, it's gonna be. Fun. They're gonna double team him, Trey on one side, Fett on the other. I'm muting him. I'm muting him. <laughs> poor Mochi. Uh, They're using AD8 as a butt plug. Oh my god! <laughs> they're fucking. They're they're tooling this fucking rancor, dude. All right, everyone. That's the episode. Ends on a fucking real is, high note. And this is why Night Sisters wrote them. What they actually meant was, is they were some scissor action. All right, everyone. Bye. Cult of muscle. Pick up. Try to come back next week if you can. Say bye, everyone. Nah, bye, father. Cult of muscle. Pick up. Is it Yub Nub time, Alberto? Yep. That was a good episode. Oh, man. That was the best episode yet.